0: And welcome back to another edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. Thanks so much once again for taking time out of your week to listen to me ramble on about Bearcat Football. (laughs) I got a great episode. You probably noticed with this week's length, you know, a couple of different episodes of the year, a couple of different weeks of the year. I try to always do something special. One is Mo West Week. Got a bonus interview last week in that episode. And the other is Pitt State. Well, it just so happens that this uh, this week is also homecoming week. So that means M-Club Hall of Fame inductions. We've known about that for a while. I've talked about that. And, uh, you know, of course, that 2013 National Championship winning team, Coach Adam Doral going in, uh, Dr. Bob going in as well, and two of, well, maybe the, probably the two best defensive linemen to ever play at Northwest. Definitely the two that have had the most success at the next level in the NFL, in Dave Tollefson, Matt Longacre. It's Matt's debut on the podcast. Got those two guys together. Was able to have a little bit of a chat. So excited to share that to you. If if there was a crown jewel of this week's podcast, it is that segment. So definitely check that out. No disrespect to anybody else. We've got a great player interview, Mikey Hohensee, the first three-time, three-time, three-time appearance uh, uh, on a player interview in Bleeding Green History, in Mikey. So we got him back on. And uh, also Eddie Lomshek, voice of Pitt State. John Dykstra from the Maryville Forum will also be joining me. And of course, Eli and the Bearcats, according to Eli. So a great episode. I'm so excited to share this this week's with you. And hopefully uh, you enjoy it as well. Now, A few things that I want to talk about, I want to talk a little bit about last week's game and and kind of preview this game just a little bit, is of course a 27-23 victory over Missouri Western. It wasn't pretty. It looked like it may not be a game early in the third quarter. Mikey Hohensee, his first half numbers, is probably the best half of football that he's maybe ever played as quarterback of Northwest. He says some good ones. 13-16, 237, three touchdowns kind of highlighted by that amazing touchdown catch by Trayvon Alexander, which I shared great camera work, by the way, by the, the KQ two, by KQ two and St. Joe. And I shared that video on Twitter and uh, really, really good stuff. The thing that I didn't see is Mikey's getting hammered as he lets that ball go. And so it was even more impressive of a throw, incredibly impressive catch. And that ends up being the big highlight. Bearcats force a three and out to start the second half. Look like they're going to go right down the field and score. Um, And I think only, I think it was 21 yards on six carries for Jay Harris at halftime. So, you know, Missouri Western was geared up to stop the run. The Bearcats had a great game plan. It seemed like they definitely wanted to throw the football more. They probably expected that out of Missouri Western. And, uh, uh, Mikey Hoensey he, he made one mistake in the game, and it ends up being the pick six. He had a great game. I mean, you know, hey, he <laughs> can't get down. You know, you don't have the lead without Mikey, so i uh, not going to get down on him too much about that. Unfortunately, 90-yard pick six as the Bearcats are getting ready to go up three scores at worst. Do you think a field goal to make it 27-10? to Well, instead it's 24-17, and, boy, you had the game firmly, and momentum is is a funny thing in in all sports but especially college football Missouri Western kind of jerked that away the Bearcats were able to add a field goal Missouri Western adds a touchdown in the fourth quarter had a couple of different opportunities um to uh, to put the game away and uh you know unable to uh, to completely run the clock down had to punt unfortunately get a well, like a 15 yard punt had a Cole Lamel who who had a heck of a game a week ago and has had to step up because you know to start the year, Mikey's your is your punter. It's kind of what you're planning on, and uh, you know Cole's had a really a, a pretty doggone good season punting the ball. Just unfortunately picked a picked a bad time to have a bad punt, and uh, you know the the defense clamps down, stops him on fourth down, getting ready to run out the clock. Jay Harris is, and unfortunately picked a bad time to have his first fumble of the season, kind of fighting for some extra yards doing what he does i mean that's that's what he does it's hard to fault the guy too much seven straight hundred yard games uh to start the season he didn't have any coming into the season he has been uh boy he has had an incredible uh incredible season and so again you're gonna have mistakes it's it's how do you respond and, and this team boy <laughs> they they kind of uh, made their own adversity at times but they pulled through. Uh, Shane Fredrickson had, uh, you know, the defense stepped up once again, the defense kept having to step up and step up and, and boy, they answered in a big way that secondary is, uh, has, you know, been picked on by teams and, and fans and, and everything else throughout the season. And they stepped up big when they had to, and the Bearcats seal it able to, uh, kneel it out. And, uh, a couple of things that I was a little bit surprised about, and there's a couple other things I want to talk about this game. One was, um, the fans or lack of fans for Missouri Western you you're five and one you're ranked um you know I don't think they were a big favorite but I think you know if you put a line on the game it's probably a one score game with Missouri Western I don't know four five six points maybe something like that so you know you you like to think you know you're having having a really good season and and uh first time to for the chance to beat the Bearcats since since 2012 and um Bearcats made it ten straight, but not not great. You know, Northwest, okay. You know, the the Bearcats record is not what we're used to. Uh as, as one of my buddies says, people have kind of fallen off the bandwagon a little bit. And uh maybe so, you know, maybe so, but still more Bearcat fans than than Griffins. I think at the game, I was a little bit disappointing. And I know there's a lot of things that work against Missouri Western when it comes to that. Um you know, the other thing was the players were kind of, I guess what you would expect a lot of jawing. Um, you know, the Western is the little brother, right? Like we, you know, if you're a Royals fan around here, I mean, we're Northwest is the Yankees. We don't like that, but I mean, we are kind of like how the chiefs have kind of become the Patriots throw rocks at me if you want, but it doesn't make it any less true. That's kind of who we are. We're the big brother in this situation. And, uh, you know we're the we're the Yankees to uh, Missouri Western's Royals, if you will, and so um, you know that's just kind of the way that it is. A lot of jawing and things like that. And and listen, I you're not going to convince me the Missouri Western's not a good team. Um, you know, I they they might be able to beat Pitt. Who knows? They. They are going to have a heck of a season, and they may end up with a better record than Northwest when it's all said and done. But it's a really good win that you had to have. You really needed that for the Bearcats to pull through. And you know, I think the one of the impressive things I wasn't going to talk about this yet, but I but I am going to talk about it is this coaching staff. In this group of players, but even these coaches, you know, you go back to when when Coach Wright stepped on campus in 04. Now he had, you know, he was he was in, in 95, 96 as a grad assistant. But, you know, Northwest has made the playoffs every year. We haven't had a season quite like this. And so this coaching staff hasn't ever had to this is unprecedented, right? It is for us at fans. We talk about that, but the the coaches, these players, they haven't had to battle through like they're having to this season. So you know, it, it's kind of uncharted territory a little bit. And so I think, you know, while the, the quote-unquote noise, right, the criticism and things are out there and, all oh, this season's over, whatever people are saying, right, is that, like, these players and coaches haven't given up. You know, and I think that's pretty apparent, and I think that's, you know, I'm always looking for the positives. I'm always looking for things to be proud of, and that's the thing that I'm proud of. It, it would be easier when you're facing adversity to just now, you know what, it's not our day. Things aren't going our way. Oh, well, you know, we're beating ourselves again, whatever it is. And and this team has been able to pull through in situations like that and, uh, and whatever it's, it's just back-to-back wins. So, but you know, uh, this week would certainly kind of make things, I think feel a whole lot different when you're facing the number two, team in the country, 7-0 Pitt State, um, who who aren't, it's not like they don't have, the team doesn't have their warts, they're not steamrolling everybody, um, but anyway, we'll break down that game a whole lot more, but but there are definitely positives, but you know, there are mistakes made, and of course, you could, I guess, pick at all that if you want to, but hey, you have a couple of MIAA players of the week, Noah Costella, the the kicker, special teams player of the week, Jake Fisher, defensive end, uh defensive player of the week. That's pretty great. I mean, the 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 uh the defensive line played really, really well. They have really come onto their own and they're down a couple of guys. Niles Schuett didn't dress. Keaton Rickey is still battling his injuries and and isn't playing a whole lot. And so um, you know, it it was kind of the um you, you know, the, the same four on the D line for a lot of the game, and they really they were doing all kinds of things to disrupt what Missouri Western wanted to do. And and uh, I mean, hey, you got some holding calls now. I will say the officiating is, is I I think between Jake Fisher and Kobe Claiborne, I mean, those guys, you know, if if uh, if they didn't get held, they, they might get they'd get their hands on the quarterback probably just about every single play. And uh, yeah, there were some holding calls that got called against Western, which, you know, hey, hey holding in the MIAA, that's a thing but the, the big play i think was um was that punt right that that got called well the player got blocked into it which is listen that's total bs you were that is the rule but that rule was applied incorrectly in that situation so and i went back and looked watched it in fact we watched it in the stands and i went back and watched it later so the players were engaged right they they were blocking each other but i don't I there's nothing anyone can say that is gonna convince me that that they knew or could have done anything about when that ball was moving. Neither player was really even looking at it, the, the Griffin player or the Bearcat player, and certainly the Griffin was not blocked into it. Now they the players were engaged with one another, but and and you cannot, you know, block someone into make them touch the ball. You can't take a player and throw them into the ball and and say, oh, fumble and then recover it. But that isn't that isn't what happened there. And the fact that they that they that Coach Wright challenged it, which is one hundred percent what he should have done. So um, you know, I'm assuming he's getting something from uh, you know, whether players were telling him whether somebody's on the headset, from the box telling him, I mean, that was the 100% right thing to do, that it didn't get overturned at that point. Because the ball eventually, you know, squirts down in the end zone and we recover it for what should have been a touchdown. Or you could have said the ball was dead where it was touched. But for some reason, they rule a touchback, which is just... There were kind of two different options of what they could have ruled in that play, and that ain't one of them. Um, I'm not somebody that, listen, officials don't decide the outcomes of games, right? Okay, maybe there are key plays and key moments, whatever. I'm not somebody that really harps on that, but it's just really disappointing when we have poor officiating. And uh, and I think that game was overall officiated fairly poorly, and I know I've said that a couple of times. Luckily, I'm not a coach, so I can't get fined by the MIAA, although I'm probably not making any friends by saying that, but it is what it is. Um, now listen, I think Western had like twice as many penalties as Northwest did. So, you know, I'm not going to say, but, but that, that was bad. That was, you know, when you look back to two years ago, the last time we were at Mo West and the incomplete pass that ends up being ruled a fumble that Western, you know, ends up scoring their only touchdown of the game on, you know, boy, you, you know, it kind of brings back bad memories. It's like, man, you know, the calls just always kind of go basically that play you go back to two years ago. It's one of the reasons that they—that was one of the examples used as to why we even have replay in the MIAA. Listen, you're not going to get every call right. That's fine. My criticism in that comes from in the fact that it was reviewed, and st- you still didn't get it right. And I, listen, I—I'm be the first to admit I have my green my green tinted glasses on. Fine. You want to rule the ball dead wherever it was touched, then. If the player's blocked in, that's what you do. But it, whatever you rule and decide, it cannot be a touchback. <laughs> that was just insane to me. It just, nobody's going to change my mind that, that that wasn't just wrong all the way around. So anyway, I probably spent way more time on that than I needed to, but I had to kind of get that. <laughs> Had to clear my conscience here, get that off my chest, because that one still, still bugging me a little bit. Um, now, and listen, if the Bearcats would have lost the game, I just want to say I would not have pointed at that play and said, well, it was because of the refs, but it was a bad call. Now, a few other stats that you know I like to point out: stats, negative 17 yards rushing for Missouri Western. Listen, I thought we'd stop the stop the running game of Western. I mean, that's what you hang your hat on in you know Northwest defensively, and we did. But I didn't think we'd hold them to negative yards rushing. That was impressive. Now, Edden throws for three hundred. Now, I think I said make him make him throw the ball thirty times, and I think the Bearcats win. He threw the ball forty, and the Bearcats won. But um, you know, they they were definitely able to to move the ball, do some things. The pick six hurts you. It makes them look like they scored some more points against our defense than they really did. They really only had three scoring drives um, as an offense. But uh, the three-headed running back of, a uh, three-headed monster in the backfield of the three running backs for Western combined for four yards on fourteen carries. That's a great stat, and those guys were getting a lot of in- attention. And and uh, you know it. The the team made note after the game. Listen, I don't have great audio. It was very windy. There's so much other stuff this week with extra interviews, and it's a long episode anyway. But uh, one of the things Trayvon Alexander said after the game was was that you know they heard a lot of how this is Mo West's year and things, and I think that you know kind of rubbed the team the wrong way. And good, it should have, and they came out and and uh, they're probably disappointed with the final margin of victory, but. Hey, it is what it is. You won. Ultimately, that's just what you have to do at this point. And the team gutted it out and got a big win. Screen game was working. Tank Young had 100 yards receiving. That's something that I uh, think we should have probably seen more of. And so it was really nice to see that. Even had a screen to KG. KG, Trayvon, they um, you know, both scored touchdowns. A great play. As Mikey waved KG on kind of a broken play, rolled out and uh dropped it in there perfect on that touchdown that was really nice and and tank young had the had the screen pass for a touchdown um mentioned Jay Harris in his seven straight hundred yard games. he just got there on those last few carries to to get him over the hundred yard mark which is which is nice to see and you know defense comes up and and uh good stuff now now it's homecoming and he got a big matchup with Pitt State. Now, this Pitt State team, we're, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later on with Eddie Lomshek, the voice of the Gorillas, who's, uh, who I always enjoy having on. He's one of, there are certain, you know, play-by-play voice voices of teams that I like to talk to. And, and it's most of them, honestly, that I get to talk to. But there's some really, really good ones, and Eddie's a really, really good one. He's one I always enjoy having on. We have a great chat and a lot of really good information, so I don't want to just... Um, and, and John Dykstra and I cover a few of the things that I talked about there. I don't want to drone on about it and, and end up repeating, um, myself here on this episode or, you know, in this episode multiple times, but this pit state team's a little bit more balanced. We'll talk about that. Chad Dodson, while he's not, you know, uh, tearing it up yardage wise, he he's been very, very efficient. And previous completion percentage about 10 points from last year of getting close to 70 percent so their defense is really good now there's some interesting kind of stats that, that you look at of they have six sacks through seven games and their secondary is really really good you know when you play some of the teams like a you know like an Emporia yeah you're probably not going to get to the quarterback much against them um, and so that's you know again you know that's some things to consider but you know that one kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit but this this Pitt state team's a really good team. They're number two in the country undefeated, but I think it's a good matchup for Northwest. And, uh, you know, I, I think again, you know, even as, as the road team Pitt comes in as, as you would expect to be the favorite, but I don't think it's a big favorite in this game. You know, you think seven and O versus four and three, maybe people outside the MIAA will look at this team, look at this game differently as, Oh yeah, Pitt's going to come in and roll them. And, OK, I mean, that could happen, but I think a lot of things are going to have to go wrong for the Bearcats. You know, turnovers are going to be key. Um, you know, how, how well are we able to run the football? You know, Mikey's been playing really well. Pick six aside last week, he made some great throws and he had a really, really good game over 300 yards um, in the game as well. That's I hadn't even mentioned that yet. But uh and I think he's in the in the top 10 now of of touchdown passes in in Bearcat history. that's kind of a thing a stat that's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. but uh you know as he's feeling better, you know, it seems like he's able to move a little bit more even though he's still got the big the big brace um on his you know on his knee. I mean, this offense just operates differently when Mikey's out there. and when he is, Throwing the ball well, which I think you saw in the first half, through it as well as he ever has um, of last week's game. That bodes really well. And so I think this is, is a, tough, a tough game, a close game. What's my prediction going to be? Well, find out at the end. But it probably isn't going to surprise anybody <laughs> who I go with in this game if you've been listening very long. All right. Still to come. Don't forget. Uh, I'm going to talk about homecoming. In fact, going to do that next and uh, have a great chat. I'm super excited to share with you with uh, Matt Longacre and Dave Tollifson, both going into the M Club Hall of Fame this weekend, kind of get their thoughts, how they found out who has the bragging rights, Super Bowl rings versus Natty, uh, sack numbers, all of that stuff. And uh, Mikey Holensee, my player of the player interview of the week, so he'll be joining me as well. we'll talk to Eddie Lomchek of Pitt State and uh, John Dykstra, the Maryville Forum, and of course Eli will be on. And some more strong words, boy. He's uh, uh, he's he's not as as mad at Lincoln. He gets pretty mad at Northeastern State. So anyway, that's uh, all of that uh, coming up, still to come. Lots of good stuff. Don't go anywhere. You're on Bleeding Green.
1: Hey, Bearcat fans, this is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt
2: Daniel.
0: And welcome in here on Bleeding Green. Very pleased to have a special segment this week. It's homecoming week. You know what that means, M-Club Hall of Fame inductions. we got big names like Adam Dorrell and the two gentlemen joining me right now defensive ends and, uh, and and obviously great Bearcats in their own right and had a lot of success in the NFL. Dave Tollerson, Matt Longacre. Uh, Dave, Matt, guys, thanks so much for taking a little time and, uh, and joining me here this week.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah, not a problem.
0: Well, let's talk about I mean, I know both of you guys obviously being D linemen. you know, any D lineman in Northwest is going to have a relationship uh, even more so w- with with Coach Rich Wright. And uh, he was your guys, of course, position coach in your time at Northwest. I, w- I want you guys to kind of each kind of talk about Dave, we can start with you kind of what, you know, and I know we talked about this a little bit on on your ep- on your episode of kind of what Coach Wright means to you. and And I'm guessing that's probably who you found out about that you were going into the M Club Hall of Fame from.
2: Yeah, of course. Uh, Coach Wright is always going to be in control of the situation, right, man? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So he calls me, and I miss his call. Uh, Then I text him. I think my kid, like, busted his toe open or something. And so I'm like, hey, man, give me five minutes. I'll call you back. And then he calls me again, and like texts me. He's like, do you know how to tell time after five (laughs) minutes? (laughs) And I'm like, busy. Oh, my kid. Then he calls me, and he's like, "Don't be, don't do this to me." And I'm like, "Coach, I was just a little busy, and this is our relationship." And I'm sure Matt's was super similar, with Coach right? But he, he basically's like, "You need to." When I call, you got to answer. And he goes, "I'm head to Iowa City." He's like, "If you didn't answer, I was going to make him turn around and come to your house and whoop your butt." That's not what he said. But. <laughs> so, so. I'm like, what's going on? He's like he's like, Your daddy did it. And he says stuff like that again, like him inferring that he's my dad. I'm forty two years old. Which <laughs> Coach, right coached me like twenty years ago. And he still wants to like rasp me about that stuff. And I'm like I'm like, What's up? He's like, I, you're going in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, Yeah, at first I'm like, No way. Cause I knew the rules. You know, you had to graduate and I just really and I think it was super similar for Matt in that situation. You kind of just move on and it's yeah. okay. It's okay. It's fine. I'm not going in. We're not going in in this instance. And and we understood that's just the way it was gonna go. It didn't take anything away from what we accomplished there and stuff like that. But it was it was a little emotional. It was really cool that Coach Red did it because of that relationship. Um, I mean he it was he's that group with him, the D line, it's still the same way. It's very personal relationships are extremely important and they are to this day with all of us. So it it was great that he
0: told me. What about you, Matt? I mean,
3: pretty much the same thing. I missed the (laughs) call and a couple days later, he, he texts me and like really urgent. Like I need to talk to you. And I'm like, Oh no, something happened. Like it's like never good news when someone texts you that. And we were like going into Uh, my son had like a doctor's appointment and I was like, I got to call, like I got to call him back. And then he told me and I was like, I'll call you back in like 30 minutes. So we can actually have like a real conversation about this. And then I called him back and yeah, it was the same thing. I never didn't really think it was ever going to happen. Like Dave said, didn't graduate. And so, um, but him calling him, making it to happen this year. I mean, It means, it means the world to me. I mean, Northwest is, it's a special place. Every time I go back, I mean, I feel like I'm going home. And so, um, and for him to kind of make some moves like he probably had to, um, it means a lot. It's like a second father figure in my life.
0: Well, i want to talk about kind of each of your journeys to Northwest I know dave we've talked about this kind of in long form, but you had such a you know such an interesting and and unusual probably as as an unusual of a journey to northwest as as and especially then to go on and have the the success at the next level that you did um talk about kind of your your first to go back tell me about your very first conversation with Scott Bostwick and what that was like.
2: Yeah, he picked me up from the airport. Um, And Coach Bostwick, I think relationally, Coach Wright and and Coach Bostwick are very, very similar kind of father figure type relational guys, especially to to us younger men that that play college football. But they're really two different people, like how they operate. Uh, I would say um, Coach Bostwick was a little more light kind of, goof around and stuff, you know, coach Wright's kind of an East coast guy. And so his idea of fun is might like be telling me, I suck at something. (laughs) Whereas coach Bostwick would be like, Oh, you drink that kind of beer. I would never drink that. You know, like, it's just a different type of of thing. But when I first met coach Bostwick, he was just super nice and excited for me to come out. And I just had shoulder surgery and I was afraid that I might put the kibosh on some type of, of deal. Uh, to get there. And then the thunderstorm I'd never seen, like if one lightning happens in California where I grew up, it's like, you would think the apocalypse is coming and literally <laughs> this storm moves in of 71 and we have to pull over. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Like am might, the first day I'm in Missouri, I'm going to get hit by a tornado. So, um, George Bossig made a joke of it and just, I mean, it was really lighthearted and, and I knew it was different. I mean, you, that's why if you can get to Maryville and I think all three of us on this podcast understand that if you can get there and see how that whole place works, it changes you forever. And it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Matt, what about you? Or like, who was, who was your contact at Northwest through the recruiting process? Cause when you signed, I think coach T was still the coach. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So coach T was the coach. Um, Scott Boswick was actually the Omaha recruiter. And so, I met him in my high school coach's office for the first time and kind of just, I mean, just had a conversation with him. Um, They said they were interested and that's about all I remember. Um, And then I, I could never take like an official visit because I was, I wrestled. And so I had to go on like a random, like Thursday by myself with my family, but uh, no other recruits um, had had breakfast at the high Ryan Meyer was my, was my host who I went to um, high school with. So, which was nice. Um, and yeah, it's just, there's that feeling when you go to Northwest. Um, and I was like, this is the place. And I actually almost uh, committed to uh, like North Dakota. I had like a two hour conversation with their, whoever was recruiting up there. And I almost said yes, just to get him off the phone. <laughs> kept talking and talking and I was just like, I mean, shoot, maybe, maybe it's not the worst thing. And <laughs> I'm really glad that never happened. And then I uh, ended up recruiting to Northwest, I think the, the next day or committing.
0: Well, and so you're there, right? You're, you're on the team when the whole process goes, coach T retires, coach yep. Boston gets the job, passes away then AD Mm -hmm. and Rich and the rest of the staff kind of have to pull together in that summer of 2011 kind of tell me what was it like to be on the team and be around the program? I mean, I'm sure an emotional, a crazy time where a lot of things were were probably running through your mind and in limbo.
3: Yeah. I mean, it was just kind of never knowing what was going on, um, which is kind of the life of a college football player. Never really know what the behind the scenes are. Um, I mean, I remember we were, We had some, my team for like the summer weights, we used to do teams back in the day and we won like that month. And so we were over at AD's house. I think we were having, uh, he was like having a cookout or something. He had like just came back from his interview to get the head coaching job. And then we were kind of like, he's probably going to get it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember too much about it. Um, I was, I mean, Scott Boswick was him and Coach Ryder really like after what happened my freshman year, um, like the spring of my freshman year, I wasn't sure if I was ever going to come back to Northwest. It was like, do I want to or not? And like Coach Ryder and Boswick were like the two reasons I came back and I was like, I had just gotten back on campus from that whole debacle. And I was like looking forward to like showing Scott, like how much I had improved and like what was going to happen. And then we never got that opportunity. And then, um, it was like, well, let's kind of show coach right now, um, how thankful we are to be still in this program.
0: So when did you guys first meet Matt? Was it while you were at? Northwest still the first time you met Dave because I know you guys are obviously have a close relationship now but how 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 did you guys or was it through the NFL how, how did that happen for you, the two of you Gosh,
3: it would have been like truly probably like right before my what sophomore year was more yeah. than just like a hello in like the hallway where we actually like talked after that maybe
2: yeah I think you might right. remember better Yeah, I think you're right, and not to get in the weeds about it, but that 11 spring, I was up, I was down in Maryville because we were locked out, and I remember, you know, you had gone through that crazy stuff, Matt, Mm -hmm. and I remember Scott and Rich telling me, like, you got to see this kid, like, you know, obviously he's in bad shape now, and I'm, and I just, I remember just kind of being like oh man i really wanted to see what you could do they were so high on your ability and i and i even think you, that was coming out of your redshirt year or your friend or your redshirt freshman year
3: it was coming out of the year i redshirted
2: yeah and like yeah. so he was on scout team and they're telling me about this matt Longer kid from omaha and he's he has kind of this similar skill set to what i have and i remember thinking like how did they like that's pretty young you know obviously everyone jokes around i was like 23-year-old sophomore, or whatever <laughs> at Northwest Missouri State, but I this was kind of like you know I'm fresh off my fifth, sixth season playing the NFL, and they're talking about this freshman kid that just had a terrible accident. I'm like, and I, I guess I can't wait to see this kid. And I think it was that next season because obviously, you know, uh, Matt and my schedule when I was in the NFL and he was in college were, was really similar. Mm-hmm. Where we did, there wasn't like you and I had a bunch of time to like go do something at the time so i think we had met that sophomore year and, and i got to know him and coach wright would facilitate kind of these relationships especially with some kids that have chances you know like more time. Or, yeah. and so it was kind of natural matt liked to hunt and so then we had done that a couple times together and it just kind of became this natural relationship between long acre and myself really
0: well, Matt, was it a situation where, I mean, obviously, you know, you're looking at records and you talk, you know, you're talking about great defensive linemen that played in Northwest and you see a guy like, like Dave Tollison, like, Oh, you know, I, w- you know, obviously you come to Northwest cause you want to win, you want to win national championships, but, but there's personal stuff too when you're looking like, Oh man, i you know, I'd be great to break his records or whatever was, was that, did that stuff kind of ever go through your mind, I guess?
3: Well, I mean, yeah, the old, Yes, but only because I could say something to Dave about it.
2: Like <laughs> I that, was just going to say that. Yeah,
3: like, I would rather win and win national champions than have, like, career records. But it was just kind of like the cherry on top that I kind of did both, and it was also with Dave. <laughs> exactly. Was like, the natural rivalry, I mean... Uh, and that's
2: Coach Wright.
3: I mean, oh, he's always be, egging it on. Yeah.
2: Yes. And he facilitates these kind of personal competitions between guys that used to play. So he's 100% right. Like, the only reason that that would happen is so one of us could be like, hey, that, you did good, but I broke it. But don't, it's fine. Don't worry about yeah. it. You were good Stuff like that. Exactly. 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 <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I kind of have some 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 games for each of you that I want to go back and talk about. And and uh, Dave, I guess we'll start with you. That 05 season, um, you know, is is obviously a, a legendary season in, in Bearcat lore. But um, a couple of games. I mean, the Mo West game, you you uh, have four sacks. I think you might even blocked a punt or something in that game. Um, any uh, and then the Washburn game, you end up having three sacks in that one. Any any special memories about either one of those? games that kind of ring a bell and, and do you pay attention to those things? Like when you're in the moment, do you ever think about, oh yeah, I have, you know, three sacks, four sacks or whatever. Is that something you don't usually realize until maybe after the game?
2: I think sacks you kind of remember just because there's such a particular play, but as far as like ta- total tackles, whatever, you never really know. But I remember a couple of things from that Mo West game, <clears throat> Chad Bostwick and Adam Long came to the game I think they had a couple of beers before the game and they were like yelling at me coming out of the locker room (laughs) and they were obviously seniors the year prior. So that was like, again, that personal relationship amongst teammates that had graduated or you might not even played with it. It's a real thing at Northwest and it's that's what kind of makes it neat. So. I remember being really, really motivated to play well, and that happened so quickly. I think I got a sack in the first drive, and I blocked a punt, and I started hyperventilating. And I couldn't go back on the field for the next series. And Scott was just, like, yelling at me, like, David, what's wrong with you? Like, get control yourself. And I'm like, I can't breathe. Like, I was so excited. And uh, obviously, it ended up turning into a great game. And the other funny part is Kyle Kaiser like, basically, got destroyed by the center and through and both guards all game because we ran our 30 front. And he gets so mad at me when he even thinks about how well I played that game because he's just getting his ass kicked.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Well, Matt, kind of a couple of games that I have circled for you from that, that national championship 2013 season, the Emporia game where you have four and a half tackles for loss. And then the playoff game uh, semifinal against grand Valley with three sacks, five tackles for loss. I'm sure you have great memories of that grand Valley game.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a few that stick out in the grand Valley ones. Definitely one of them. Um, what sticks out to me is they were, they were driving, I think it was early. Um, and they were at like the 15, 20 of uh, our like red zone and we run a game on the opposite side, and I'm supposed to stay outside. Like I have to have contain on the quarterback. He's a D2. All all quarterbacks are mobile, and my tackle jump sets me, and I make a move inside. And luck, I mean, luckily, I made I get a sack on the play, and it was ends up being fourth down. And I remember running off the sideline, and Coach Ride just stared at me. He's like, "You lucky <laughs> son of a, you know what? Because if." If he would have rolled out on my side, it would have been my my fault. He would have gotten – I would have gotten an earful from him. And, uh, it's just like one of those where it's kind of like you just have – you're kind of – you feel it that day, and that was definitely one of them.
0: Well, I mean both of you guys played with with some great players uh, specifically yeah. on defense, right? For for both of you the Dixon brothers, Matt, a guy who legendary linebacker like DJ Nader, um mm-hmm. Dave from, you know, Steve Williams and and you mentioned the guys on the 04 defense, the great great linebacker group. I mean, who uh what do you what do you guys think Dave, I guess you can start kind of talking about, you know, some of the great um, you know, great guys, great teammates and, and players that you that you shared some of those memories with
2: yeah i think the the defensive side well, everybody was so close uh, and you spend so much time i mean 100 percent basic attendance in the summer weight stuff is really what galvanizes those relationships and so you know adam and adam long and i are still talked you know multiple times a week um Obviously, Josh Lamberson, he was a captain of me, even though he was an offensive guy. We still talk, and, and it's always nice to, to see how he's doing a great job at Central Missouri. Um, but it, that that's what that place does, though. It creates it's, – it's almost like high school football and those relationships that a lot of people garner with that, and then maybe they don't go on. Well, Maryville and Northwest are a lot like that where – I mean – it, it's just pretty neat, <laughs> and, and the opportunity to to have these lifelong relationships with guys. I'll never forget when when uh, when Ben Harness grabbed the ref because Dallas pushed the ref against Washburn, and I'm like, I grab Ben, I throw him away, and I'm like, he's sorry that he grabbed you because that guy pushed you. Please don't throw the flag. <laughs> but like, I mean, those are things that at Division One, everyone's ejected. Like, so these types of things that happen in a 2 football game, you, you know, even Matt alluded to it, all those guys are mobile. These things happen at our level pretty exclusively, you know, and so it, it just makes for these stories that are incredible.
0: What about you, Matt? Like, like I mentioned, the Dixons, obviously they, have, you know, had uh, some some action in the NFL. And, then, you know, when a guy who goes down, you know, is one of the great linebackers in, in Bearcat history and in, in DJ.
3: Yeah, I mean website lists, some phenomenal people. It's just I mean, to echo Dave, I mean it's everybody on that defense just playing together and you always had trust. I think that's the the biggest part was you were never worried about your middle linebackers as, as you defensive entered You were never worried about your corners, like you knew everybody was gonna do their job, nobody was nobody was doing the extra stuff to try to make a play, which usually when people do that, that's when defenses get hurt. Um, big plays happen when an individual tries to do something on their own. Um, and it's just, it's very unique to division two. I think personally is everybody's is very good at doing their job. They're all technically sound. Um, nobody's in it for themselves. It's collectively as a team. And I played with, hundreds of guys in the NFL that played division one and it just isn't the same um, from that aspect. Also just wanting to go back to where your college is and to see the people that you played with the older players, having those relationships. It's just, I talked to a lot of guys and most of them don't have that same relationship they do or as I do um, with where I went to school, but yeah, I mean, I could list 50 guys that I played with that were just, outstanding we wouldn't have done the things we did if we had somebody else in those positions
0: so i want to talk about kind of uh, i want to talk about your your bearcat careers and bragging rights and and all of that stuff with you guys here in just a minute i want to kind of talk about your draft experiences and and dave i know you know you've told the story of where you were you know when you when you get the call and and everything but kind of what were you you know your time at northwest is over you're getting ready for you know for the next step kind of what what were you hearing from scouts and what was that whole experience, uh, you know, kind of preparing for um, for the NFL?
2: Uh, it, it was exciting. I, I knew, you know, I'd asked one of the every scout had been through and checking out. And I remember asking him, like, what am I going to get a chance? Like, I don't even care if I get drafted. I said, am I going to get a chance to make a NFL football team? He's like 100 percent. And I just was like that. OK. I don't care, you know, I didn't even think I really was going to get drafted. I'd come to peace with that. And so as long as I knew I had an opportunity, like a legit one, I wasn't going to be a mini camp tryout guy or anything like that. uh, It was just pure excitement. I mean, it it was just like, okay, let's see what happens, and then I'm just going to put my best foot forward and and try to make the team. And uh, it was exciting. Like some people, I think draft day can be a little overwhelming. But for me, obviously, everyone knows I was bass fishing and stuff like that. But and, and that's honestly, that's stuff that I would share with someone like Matt when he was going through it. I mean, interesting. I've never really asked him, but kind of these guys that come up to have a chance. I'm like, make sure you're doing something enjoyable or like don't let the day beat itself up. Enjoy it for what it is. You're going to get a chance to play. So that's just, it was just exciting for me.
0: Well, Matt. Yeah, you, you. unfortunately didn't get drafted. But what was the? You know, you you get on with the with the Rams, and and we know about the success that that brought. But what was that whole process like for you? I mean, what were you hearing? I think I remember from the time your arms, maybe your short arms or something, was <laughs> something that that scouts were You know, they're always nitpicking. I'm sure, which makes you feel great always, naturally.
3: All four years.
0: <laughs> but the arms. Um, yeah, what was that um, looks process like for you?
3: Yeah, I mean for me, I think it was, luckily I didn't get drafted. Um, I got a pick more or less pick where I wanted to go, but yeah, I mean, I trained in Maryville with DJ Travis Manning and then Matt J. Matt Jasinski. Um, and we crushed it. Joe gave us an awesome workout. Um, he made a program for us and it was, I mean, unbelievable the amount of help I got at Northwest to able to kind of pursue because I was never going to get an agent to, Pay for me to go train, like at the I like can, uh, in California or Florida or wherever. So, um, I had an awesome group with me. We were all pursuing the same goal, all working out. So, um, that was awesome. In mean, my draft day experience, um, I was at home in Omaha, 99% sure I wasn't gonna get drafted. Um, I got my first call and like the fifth round from, I think it was Tennessee and they were like, there's a potential. Um, there's like another guy in front of you on our draft board that we're going to take in the seventh if he's there. Um, and then I think really St. Louis was really the one I know Dave was coached by Woff up in New York. Um, the Rams had, arguably the best defensive line in football um, kind of leading up to that season. I mean, Robert Quinn, Brock, AD, Chris Long, Will, Sip. this is a bunch of guys, unreal, unreal talent. They also had a bunch of D2 guys. Ethan
2: Westbrook was a year older than me. Played. Oh my gosh. Years. I totally forgot, Matt, that Woff called me. Yeah. So that's <laughs> what <kind> of, yeah. <laughs> I've totally forgot that, like, I was involved in your draft. Yeah. Day. Dude, I totally forgot. Yeah, so it was a soft <laughs> yeah. and
3: then I think now he's – he might have left the Rams, but at some point he was – right towards the end of my career, there. he was, like, their head of scouting. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name for some reason, but um, we're, like, the three guys that were pushing the Rams to – to pick me up and uh um as a free agent and there was there was Woff called who's the d-line coach and he was like this isn't gonna happen and then dave called and he's like you're gonna be there and they was just like somebody's name got mixed up with mine and I was that's like, well, right like, yeah i was like looks like i'm not going to the rams and then they called me back like the second later and was like, no, you're coming here. Like, don't worry. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to handle the the back end of this. I'll talk to them and end up being able to kind of choose more or less where I, uh, where I ended up, which I think was pretty lucky on my point, uh, my part. I knew Dave was, bit, like, yeah, Woff was, it's just all luck. I mean, at the end of the day, For
2: sure. Like,
3: people that are there's so many good people those 93 people that make it to fall camp that you have to have the right coach, the right system. You got to be likable enough to where they want to keep you. And maybe over somebody else that potentially is a slightly, I mean, slightly better, but if you're likable, then I mean, there's just so many things that go into it. And so, um, I mean, I, I think I got really lucky.
0: Well, and, you know, you got to stay healthy too, you know, on, on top of all that, um, you talk about the luck part of it. Um, well, and it's interesting because both of you guys, I mean, end up, you know, making teams and, and contributing on some pretty dog on good defensive lines. You know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just some, some scrubs that you're competing against. I mean, you guys are, are, were, or both of you, you know, played on some heck of, heck of defensive lines.
2: Yeah. And I'll, yeah. and all echo, what matt said earlier about like doing your job and stuff i think the division two way of doing things for matt and i we got to these physician groups that had incredible superstar power and we got a job to do and it just it was a fit right matt like you said it, it just worked because we would do our job we wouldn't complain and it just worked And and Waffle Waffle knew that. I think as crazy as Mike Waffle RB9 (laughs) coach in New York and then his, he's crazy. Yeah. He he knew the first
3: to admit it though.
2: Yeah, he, he knew that Matt, like me, they needed this piece that that we fit in. And then and again it just worked out that way, you know.
3: Yeah, and I got like like Chris Long got hurt in camp. Robert Quinn got hurt in camp and then in the season. And so they needed me to fill in for like snaps during fall camp. So I was getting three times the amount of snaps as a lot of the guys were. And so I was able to put out more film. I was mm-hmm. able to play more preseason games that all just all those little things, just, they add up. And I was lucky enough too. Where I think Dave's probably the same way. All those guys were, they were just awesome guys like they included you in things they weren't I mean half that whole room is first round picks Mm -hmm. and so it's like they were they they didn't have an ego about them they were they were helpful and everything like that so
0: well I want to talk about you know kind of both of your careers as a whole at at Northwest and, and kind of bragging rights and how that usually goes but um you know and and Dave you're you're you know, sack numbers were just in two seasons, which I think is, is is even more incredible than you look at the the rest of the list on the career leaders. And although, you know, over the years, you've kind of been bumped down a few spots, um, you know, it's I think you're the only guy that that just did them in two years. But I mean, 2005, MIAA, defensive player of the year, 12 and a half sacks. Matt, um, you were defensive player of the year in 13 and 14. 12 sacks, five forced fumbles in uh, in 2013, and made the d2football.com all-decade team. Um, you know, finish your career, uh, you know, second in, ta- in sacks and tackles for a loss. Heck, you led the team in sacks all four years. Like, and obviously, Colin Matt, Bevins. you've got, right. Yeah. Colin Bevins, heck, <laughs> n- not a bad guy to uh, to beat no, you out, boy, no. if you, <laughs> if you saw all. him play at Northwest. But, um, you know, obviously, you've got the national championship and and the in the career numbers over Dave. Dave, you've got the two Super Bowl rings, Matt. I know you've got a half a sack more in NFL season. So when you guys get together, I mean who who's winning that argument of of uh, you know who's got the bragging rights between you two?
2: Dave I think it's an argument for the sake of arguments. Like <laughs> exactly. it's like Coach Wright in the meeting room, like he would Coach Wright would probably start the fight between us. And then just sit and listen to us. But it, I think that's the fun of it is like I remember telling Matt, Oh, I had five sacks and one season in NFL and, and that was like the thing after we were I think I was done playing, but he was in the NFL, and then he gets five and a half and I call him, he's like, I was waiting for you to call me, Dave. <laughs> no, I texted you like that's immediately right. after that. That's again. right. <laughs> That's what like, he did. He's like, like what I now? Just like, <laughs> walked in the locker room, And I just grabbed
3: my phone out and texted him Probably something rude. Yeah. But, what? Yeah. <laughs> for, but that influence. was,
2: but that like, again, the camaraderie, the brotherhood, yeah. like it's an argument for the sake of arguments. I think. That's what makes it fun. Yes. And we've, I, I think Matt enjoyed the success that I had once he got to know me. And then obviously I retired and I, it gives me a reason to watch football, you know, when Matt was playing and, and be excited for him and the type of guy he is. And, but I don't I don't know. I'll tell you what, how about we just both play one side on that D-line together and I think yeah. it was, no one will be bitching about how it goes <laughs> from there <No>. on. <laughs> that would be
0: yeah. okay, so, just a fun s- argument to have. There's
3: so many. He can say things, I can say things that counteract what he did. And it's just all in good fun.
0: We talk about both being on the D line. Okay. So, you know, this summer, right. We had the, had the thing on social media and I did yep. a couple of kind of roundtable discussions on the, on the podcast that John Dykstra at the forum put together. What uh, was that fun? I mean, is that something that you guys as former players kind of look at those lists? Dave, I know cause I, cause you and I've had conversations about it, but uh, you know, with, with you guys, is that kind of some, you guys get together and kind of brainstorm and, and get to play around with that too?
3: I think you sent it. I think Dave sent it to yeah. me with his list because I don't have Twitter, and I think you guys just posted on Twitter. And so, yeah, yeah Dave sent it to me. There were some, like, uh, Cass. Like, yeah, Cass is Cass was phenomenal. Like, he was oh. a really, really good player at Northwest. Like, unreal. And I think that he was like one or
0: two. Yeah, he was a one dollar. Yeah. So,
3: like, it just shows you how many good players that, especially D-line that have come through Coach Wright's room.
2: Like, it's just
3: the amount of talent that he's
2: produced is uh, pretty phenomenal. Well, Lorenzen, Lorenson was a dollar. Mm-hmm. J-Lo too. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you can't pick yourself. I think that's like that, you know, that goes without saying, but that, that you're a hundred percent. Right. Matt, like, yeah, we, I, I send it to him. I'd asked him, he like, I don't have Twitter, and I'm like, Of course, you don't. Like, if Matt didn't have a wonderful wife and kids, he'd probably be like a Buddhist monk in Tibet or something. We <laughs> probably wouldn't have a phone, <laughs> yeah, dude. He would, he's he, which is what makes me love Matt so much, is, is he's his <laughs> own guy, you know. But the, the, how do you even build it? You guys said it on the podcast, Matt. I listened to it. It's like, What are we doing? Here? Like, pick close your eyes and point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't go wrong
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah 100 you 100 percent can't go wrong well well guys i mean we could do this all day i certainly appreciate you uh taking some time it was something that i that i wanted to do and i appreciate you both making time for me i mean come on if if we're going to have anybody in the m club hall of fame you you two are as deserving as anybody i'm not just saying that because i'm talking to you right now but again thank you both for uh for taking some time and, uh, and and chatting with me today
2: thank you no problem, man. and and I'll say this real quick. I think for that 13 team is getting in, right, Matt, yeah. is, as well. That's going to be – you got to you tip your hat to them, man. I mean, that's going to be exciting for those guys, and Matt was on that team. You know, the 05 team got in a couple of years ago, and I told Matt. when Obviously, we shared this with each other, but, like, that is probably going to be just as fun and as exciting as us going to individuals you know, oh, with your okay, teammates, yeah. right? Yeah. And just like, to see everybody. Yeah, Stay a big, big game. So, Matt, I appreciate you having us on here, um, and I'll be. T- I suppose we might have a warm beer this weekend together. How long? Might as well. Might <laughs> as well.
0: Welcome back here on bleeding green time for this week's player interview joined by the first person to appear on all three seasons of this uh, podcast number nine the Bearcats quarterback and senior Mikey Hohensey. and uh, Mikey man thanks so much for taking a little time and and coming on you're in you're in uh, you're in a, a a company all by yourself man <laughs> as far as being yeah. on here all three seasons.
4: I appreciate you having me on, uh, you know, I, I hope we can get others to join the three season pretty soon, but I'm honored to be the first one. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> awesome, man. Well, well, uh, let's, let's talk about you. I mean, I know we we've done, you know, the, you're no stranger to this. We've done this before, but I'll try to try to change it up a little bit, keep it as, uh, as fresh as possible. But, um, St. Charles, Illinois outside Chicago, just kind of tell me about, uh, you know, tell me about growing up, uh, around Chicago there, what that was like.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up, uh, being near my dad coaching, um, it was always great for me uh, to be around his professional teams. He was the coach of the Chicago Rush over there in Chicago. Um, and then he kind of went to coach in other, other states for other teams a little bit. So it was kind of me, my mom, my sister uh, for a majority of the year until my dad came back. So uh, my mom was basically my main trainer, I, w- I would say, growing up until my dad was home. Um, but yeah, it was great growing up there. It was, it's a great community in St. Charles, uh, St. Charles North really shaped me to be the guy I am today.
0: Well, what's your earliest memory of football? I am interested. Was it going to, a, going to one of your dad's games that he was coaching?
4: Yeah. Uh, I started getting around, uh, actually my earliest memory of football was probably when I was five years old, um, flag football. Um, the first practice I had, they started me off at left guard because i was I was the young guy playing with a bunch of six and seven year olds, and I remember sitting in my stance, and I thought the quarterback was taking too long, and I said "Hut" for him and it threw it, yeah, it threw the whole play off, so they moved me to center um and said, once the guy behind you says "Hut," you snap him the ball." They put the two biggest guys on the team at guards, so I didn't have to block anyone. They would just take care of the nose guard for me, so basically my job was to snap the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my first football memory I can think of right there.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I have not heard that story before. That is pretty great.
4: Yeah, it's pretty great. And then um, <laughs> when I was six years old, that's really when I started to pay attention to my dad's teams more and kind of knew what was going on. And that was actually the first year that uh, he won the Arena Bowl with the Chicago Rush. So. I always thought, you know, we're supposed to win championships in this family because that's that's the first thing I remember uh, about his team. So that's a pretty great way to start it off.
0: Yeah, heck yeah. Well, I mean, your dad was was definitely no slouch as a, as a quarterback himself, from from uh, you know the University of Minnesota to the, to the NFL and Arena League and and uh, and other pro leagues and stuff. What when did you start? When did quarterback really start interesting you? You and when did you kind of start playing quarterback?
4: Yeah, I was a receiver. Um, after that first year of flag, I was a receiver for probably my first three years, and um, we really couldn't find anyone that could throw me the ball. Um, so that's when they just moved me to quarterback when I was eight years old, and I've been I've been playing ever since. Uh, it's been great having my dad as my trainer. Um, he's been coaching me through all the details, so I've been. I've been learning the details since I was eight, trying to you know figure out how the right way to play the quarterback position, and I, I've loved it.
0: What, did you play any other sports uh, growing up besides football?
4: Yeah, I played football, basketball, and baseball. Uh, I played baseball up until eighth grade, and then for high school, I just thought I should play football and basketball, and then after my freshman year, I stopped playing basketball because I was only... 5'6", 140 pounds my freshman year, and I I thought I needed to get into the weight room a little bit, and I'm glad I did. Um, I fell in love with the weight room in high school, and it helped me grow and uh, become the player I am today.
0: Well, back to this quarterback thing. So, Do you remember the first lesson that your dad taught you about playing quarterback, or maybe the most important one, or the first one that sticks out in your mind?
4: Yeah, don't look at your ball. Uh, Once you throw the ball, there's no need to... Peek up and look at it. You know, they, I mean, it, it's gonna go where it's gonna go. You wanna, you wanna look at your target uh, until the ball gets there. That's lesson A one right there. Don't look at your ball when you throw.
0: Nice, nice. Well, I want to talk about your time at St. Charles North. Uh, uh, who was your guy's big rival?
4: St. Charles East. St. Charles East was our rival. Uh, we actually just, my high school team just beat them. I think last week. So that was great to see on Twitter. Uh, and all that stuff. I was texting my high school head coach before that game, telling him to uh, keep the crosstown classic trophy where it belongs. And they ended up doing that, which is good.
0: Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Well, do you have any favorite uh, games, plays moments or anything from high school?
4: Uh, yeah. Um, my two favorite games was the one against St. Charles East and, uh, the one against Batavia Batavia was in our conference. They were, uh, Our last regular season game, they were undefeated. They actually uh, went on to win state that year. And we were the only team to beat them. And uh, that was a great feeling. It was a televised game. And to come out on top and win the conference, that was awesome. And then um, week four was when we played St. Charles East. And kind of like this year, what happened to me, I tore my MCL week two. A big defensive lineman after I threw the ball came rolling into my knee. Um wasn't sure how long I was gonna be out, but I knew I wanted to play for that rival game. Uh I basically was crutching to the game, showed up, you know, had a big brace on, ended up uh going five touchdowns, four hundred yards, and we won an OT that game. So that was also uh one of my favorite games at St. Charles East too. So able to keep the trophy where it belonged that year too.
0: <laughs> nice, nice, awesome. Well, um, you know, I, I know we've talked about your journey to Northwest before, but what was the recruiting process like? What what other schools were you kind of looking at, thinking about before you ultimately decided to, uh, to come to Northwest?
4: Yeah, I mean, I only started my senior year, um, so I wasn't getting, because we had a two or three year starter ahead of me. Um, so I wasn't really getting looks going into my senior year. I would go to all these, you know, uh, summer camps for these teams, and if there was like a you know like a gold jersey and a brown jersey the gold jerseys were the guys they were really looking at and the brown jersey was like you know the guys they weren't really looking at and i would get the brown jersey at most of those camps just because i you know i had no prior film uh going into that year and then um once i played you know i ended up getting all state in illinois that year and i would get a couple late looks from some teams um there were a couple of d2 teams that uh were giving me looks, McKendree. Um there was a team up in Minnesota. Um but really Northwest, once once they came calling, I was really all in on Northwest. Um they called me. I was at LA Fitness playing hoops with my friends. I kept getting the six six zero number calling me. I had no idea who it was. I wasn't answering it. Um (laughs) and then uh Brian Schwartz who actually used to be a coach on Northwest staff got a call from one of the coaches on Northwest saying, uh, we're trying to get a hold of Mikey. Brian Schwartz was the defensive coordinator for my dad in the arena league. Okay. And he ended up calling my dad to call me like, Hey, these guys are trying to offer Mikey. And then I finally picked up the phone and I went down there for a visit that weekend and they offered me and I ended up committing on the car ride home.
0: Awesome. Who, who was, who hosted you on your visit?
4: uh Brody Buck nice Brody Buck hosted me on my visit yeah he was great
0: that's awesome well, well let's talk about your your uh, career at Northwest there's a few games that I that I kind of remember one was the the 2019 uh game at Arrowhead against Pitt State score a couple of touchdowns and I, I know at least one of them was a was a fake punt I believe do you have any memories from that game because I think that was the last time we played down at Arrowhead
4: yeah, man, I've been wanting to go back to Arrowhead so bad. Uh, that, that was an awesome experience to me play on that field. Um, you know, once you're on the field, the stadium looks so much taller <laughs> in person, too, with the seats. They feel like it's right up on you. I could tell why it's one of the loudest stadiums for sure. But, yeah, that was a crazy game. You know, I was known for being the, the Wildcat guy strictly running the ball, and I think I ended up having – two touchdown passes that game both the marcus andrews who was a really good tight end at the time um one was off a fake field goal uh i had a lot of pressure which i wasn't expecting and marcus ended up sneaking through the guys and then one was off i think a corner out to marcus too so that was it was awesome just to be able to play in an nfl stadium like that and have success
0: well, then 2020, you know, COVID happens, 2021 rolls around and you, you get thrust in against central Missouri, your first career start. I mean, you threw four touchdowns, a couple of, a uh, couple of rushing. I mean, he had as good of a full debut probably as, as anybody, what memories do you have from that game?
4: Yeah. I just remember, you know, being extra prepared going into that game. I was, I was prepared for every game. Cause you know, as the quarterback, especially You know, you're one snap away from going in and having to be the starter. And for me, I felt like I felt like I I could be in that role and do it successfully. And I wanted to make sure whenever I had my opportunity, I was ready to go. And, you know, we had a good game plan as always. And we went out there and we were executing that day.
0: And uh, so so I want to ask you, you know, now being a captain, you're, you're, you know, one of the, um, you know, veteran guys, one of the leaders on this football team. What's the difference in in you now versus that young man back in 2018 that walked on campus oh
4: man you know i just i have a lot more uh knowledge obviously of what how how seasons go um it's not all about you know being a starter or getting individual you know statistics it really is more a, a huge team game you know everyone has to be ready and there is no role too small whether you're you know A starting quarterback or you're you're a guy on special teams run down on kickoff. Every little play makes a difference in the game and you got to attack it like that. And also another thing I learned is always be ready for your opportunity because, you know, not many opportunities come, but you will get it at some point and you got to be able to take advantage of it.
0: That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. So, um, one other thing here before, and then we got the pick six. So, um, you know, I know you've, you've had the opportunity to do, you know, your dad's doing a lot of coaching, a lot of training and things and does his camps. You've, you've been able to, to participate in those and help him out in those. What's that been like? And is that something you think that whenever your football playing days are over, whether that's, you know, in, in a year or two or five years, 10 years, whatever, do you think that's something that you you'd like to do?
4: oh yeah, for sure i've I've seen him coaching my whole life, and I knew that no matter what I do, I always wanna stay around the game of football. I mean, I'm gonna keep playing until you know they kick me off the field and don't let me play anymore. but uh once I'm done playing, for sure, I'm gonna get into coaching, whether you know whether it's coaching you know out of college and working my way up, something like that, or coaching with my dad. Uh, he has a good business going on in Illinois right now. And I love working with those kids. So either way, I'm going to stay around the game of football and continue coaching.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, I got the pick six for you here. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. (laughs) All right. Perfect. Well, the first question is always the same. What, uh, you have, you have any uh, pregame rituals? Are you a superstitious guy?
4: Uh, no, I'm not, not really superstitious. I just, you know, I like to wear the same socks on game day, you know, these, ankle-high Adidas socks, and uh, I usually wear the same undershirt. If it's green, I got a green shirt. If it's white, I got my same white shirt. I think I've been wearing it for, all you know, since 2021 at least. And then uh, I always listen to Drake, Before games too And he just dropped An album last night So I'm excited To be listening To those songs Before this game too
0: (laughs) Nice Nice Awesome Awesome Well what uh, Second question To pick six There's lots of Uniform combos At Northwest What's your favorite Oof
4: uh, I really like the black jersey. I always thought I always thought the black jersey was real cool, especially with the red paw on Family Day, and just knowing what it means and how we got those black jerseys and why we wear the red paw. Plus, I just think it's it's a slick look. I really do.
0: All right, good good stuff. Third question of the pick six: What was your first ever concert that you attended?
4: Oh man, my first ever concert was. I was back in high school, and I think it was either for Christmas or my sister's birthday, I got her some ASAP Rocky tickets, and we went we went uh, to the ASAP Rocky concert in Chicago. So it was really, I mean, I liked the guy, but it was really just awesome to do something with my sister and get out and, you know, have a great night.
0: All right, perfect. Fourth question of the Pick Six, where, where's your favorite place to eat on campus?
4: On campus? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I, I liked Muyah. I think Udoba's good, but obviously I think I'm going to have to go Chick-fil-A just because how solid they are. Uh, you know, you can always count on Chick-fil-A getting a good chicken sandwich and the fries with the sauce. It's all good. And then if you want to shake that day, those shakes are always busting too.
0: Well, that yeah, that's the thing. If if you're getting the waffle fries, you got to get the Chick-fil-A sauce to dip them in.
4: Yeah, the, the sauce definitely makes, makes it what
0: it is for sure. 100%. All right, fifth question: If you had to pick one of your teammates to make you laugh, and you knew they were going to deliver and make you laugh, who's that guy that makes you laugh every time? Oh
4: man, we got a lot of funny dudes on the team right now. I would honestly probably Tank Young right now. Tank, Tank's been on a you know a little comedy spree to me, <laughs> I think. And and he does what he says. It doesn't even have to be funny. It's his laugh afterwards. He is he is he's one of those guys with a contagious laugh. So I'd probably have to go with tank.
0: Awesome. All right. Last question. And um, I'm going to go from the, from the goofy to a little more serious when, uh, when you're playing days are over here at the end of the season, whenever that is, what, uh, what do you want people to remember about you?
4: You know, I want them, want them to remember me, you know, as a hard worker and a good leader uh, who gave it all, all he had, you know, on the field and off the field. Um, hopefully I, you know, affected some of these young guys' lives and, Help change their career for the better as well
0: good stuff well Mikey I, I, as always man I appreciate you it's always good to talk to you and and wish you and the guys the best of luck the rest of the season
4: awesome I appreciate it
5: hi this is Xavier Oman former Northwest Bearcat you're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Dango once a Bearcat always a Bearcat
0: Welcome back in here on Bleeding Green, getting the gorilla point of view, a view from the other press box, longtime voice of the Pittsburgh State University Gorillas, Eddie Lamshek And uh, Eddie, man, thanks so much for taking some time and, and joining me once again this year here on Bleeding Green.
1: Hey, my pleasure. Always fun to talk about uh, Pitt State football. And when it's Northwest week, there's a diff- different feel to it and If recent history, never mind traditional history, but you look at the last two meetings, decided by three total points, if that's any indication, then uh, we we think we're in for another really hard-fought game on Saturday.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you go back to last year. He thought at halftime, thought, "Oh boy, you know, maybe this thing's over." And the Bearcats kind of turned it around and, in and in a you know, bobbled um, a pass uh, for for a two point conversion, shy of taking the thing to overtime. So, what well, we thought, and of course, what a great atmosphere it was. That was actually the first time I've had the opportunity of of uh, going to Carney mm-hmm. Smith, and it was you know, carnival atmosphere and everything. I hope Maryville doesn't disappoint. We know looking at a, a four and three record for the Bearcats, some people as, as one of my friends have liked to say, have kind of fallen off the bandwagon a little bit, but it's homecoming and uh, have hopefully Maryville delivers and have a good crowd on Saturday.
1: Well, Maryville, like Pittsburgh, it's a college town. And you can go everywhere in Maryville and you see all the Northwest stuff. You go all around Pittsburgh and it's all guerrilla stuff. And I have a great appreciation for that at any level of college. uh, When you're involved in college athletics, uh, it's hard to beat homecoming. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day on Saturday in Maryville. You couple that with the excitement of homecoming, alumni that come back. And, you know, four and three aside, you're still talking about a really proud tradition and obviously still a lot of really good coaches and players that have been a part of the success in the last 20 years or whatever it's been and so uh i don't have any doubt that the the football team will put their best foot forward but homecoming in college towns that's hard to beat so i'm i know it's going to be a great atmosphere
0: well you know so many for so many years you know it was was you know a couple of the top teams in, in the nation playing and and uh you know with uh you know, with with Mel and Chuck, and I mean, they were kind of synonymous with this, you know, w- with this rivalry. But it's always been, I feel like, a rivalry born out of respect, out of rather, you know, the local rivalry f- for for Northwest is is Missouri Western or even Central, but there's that's more of kind of a hatred, <laughs> I guess, or, yeah. or a dislike of one another. This rivalry has never really seemed like that. I I know is. You know, I I have a dislike for Missouri Western for who we played last week. I don't feel that way about Pitt State. It's always like one of those rivalries where I I kind of want you know I was always, always root for Pitt State to do well. Not that not the week of you know this week, but but you know of of having that. I I feel like you know talking to so many people and things that there's definitely a lot more respect in this rivalry of, of compared to others.
1: Yeah, because when you talk about rivalries, you know, the old saying is it's only a rivalry if you take turns winning. Last week was geographical rivalry week in the MIAA. Four of the six games are just natural rivalries based on proximity. Pitt state goes down to missouri southern 28 miles over to joplin well the gorillas have won nine straight and 28 of 29 in that series and so you might say southern hasn't really held up there into the deal so to speak and yet pit state and northwest so many memorable games over the years earlier you touched on last year when they come down here and we're up 21-3 at halftime and then here they come and and so uh northwest is never out of a game they have that belief they have that aura or mystique about them that they never feel they're out of a game and they're going to come and keep coming until they get to you and so uh, that's that's the attitude when you play games like this you know it's four full quarters and that's what makes them great uh, as compared to like you mentioned just a geographical rivalry
0: well, you know, we talked about the, the, the head coaches for the longest time. Now it's kind of ba- the battle of the coach rights. Brian Wright, yeah. what he's done is is so impressive. Obviously, he was the MIAA coach of the year last year, 11-0 and in the regular season. And, and here we are, you know, we're, we're seven weeks in, Pitt State's 7-0. and What's he done since taking over this program that's impressed you the most?
1: Well, the one thing all the players talk about, Is the culture of the program and when Brian Wright took over he had a thing that he brought with him and it was called connection before correction, meaning that you can be the greatest X's and O's coach on the planet, but if you don't have the right culture in place if the guys on the team don't want to win for their teammates. If everybody's in it for their self and statistics, then you're ultimately not going to win at a very high level. So he called it connection before correction. And uh, with that, you know, I bring it up a lot to the players I interview, and they all just rave about the culture, how well they feel like they know everybody else on the team, not literally everybody, but how well you know X number of teammates, it goes a lot deeper than it did. The guys that were here for the coaching change in December of 19. Uh, and so that that culture, that total buy-in to how we're going to do things, one to know every week in everything you do, in your morning workouts, in your classroom work, on the practice field, at meetings and film, and ultimately in the game on Saturday, one to know in everything you do, approach everything the same. It doesn't matter who you're playing or where you're playing, Approach everything the same, and that ultimately will lead to consistent execution. Ironically, this has not been an overly consistent Pitt State team. They found a way to pass every test so far, but it's that one and zero business-like mentality that this program has right now that's allowed them to uh, flourish here a little bit under Brian Wright.
0: uh, I want to talk offensively about this team Mm because a a lot of things are the same. You know, obviously dodson back at quarterback who i want to talk about his improvements in just a minute but it seems like a more balanced attack i know you had caleb lewis last year but it seemed like there wasn't a whole lot uh behind him running the ball averaging 202 running the ball 229 throwing the ball i mean that's pretty balanced attack is and and that's what i look at this pitt state team i see a more balanced team than last year is that the way you see it i mean is that something that was kind of a stress coming into this season
1: Yeah, and it all starts up front. There's no question. They needed to be more consistent on the offensive line. Lost a couple of players there from last year. They brought in three transfers, at semester to give them depth in the offensive line uh they've all played and started some games this year um there's a lot of depth on the offensive line and uh so so for instance man we've had guys splitting time between guard and center two different guys do that we have had guys splitting time between right guard and left tackle and it's just to kind of give the other player a blow for a series And you can see the versatility and interchangeable parts on that offensive line. And even the transfers that were brought in, one of them is a graduate, of transfer, the other two are third-year sophomores, but they've played some college football. And so uh, it's a very experienced offensive line group with tremendous chemistry in place. And that is without question the biggest thing that has lended itself to being as balanced as they've been on offense.
0: Well, and last year, you know, I, I felt like, you know, looking at this, Pitt State offensive line—they were massive, but at times there was some struggles. I feel like to run the football, and I don't see that this year with this team. And and you know, you had a, a great game with from Anton, Antoine Squire last week. Noah Hernandez, Cleo Chandler Jr. I mean, all three of them ran for touchdowns this last week. Those those guys do a heck of a job. And is it is is it just kind of one A, one B, one C with these guys?
1: Yeah, it really is running back by committee, uh, you know, watching them play. And these guys are all program kids. Now, Antoine's a second-year player, but he's been here a couple of years. Chandler and Hernandez are are third- and fourth-year program guys. And there's not a lot that you can point to as to say – uh, oh, it's a thunder and lightning. This guy's a battering ram. This guy's a scat back. It's not like that. They're all pretty similar. Squire's a little more of a, a short, stocky build, uh, has great cutback vision with the zone blocking, uh, where Hernandez and Chandler, you might say, are a little more of straight-ahead players. But for the most part, it's just about always having fresh legs. And so uh, I don't know, honestly, if any of them have played more than two consecutive series. On offense this year and uh, instead of one guy getting 25 carries in a game three guys are getting seven to ten carries and so you do have those fresh legs you couple that with an improved offensive line With a deep offensive line that can, as I said, give a guy a rest for a series, he's a little fresher, and all of a sudden it leads to a more productive run game. But, yeah, you're right. Big offensive line last year didn't get off the ball as well as they needed to. Uh, This year it's been a little different story. You'll see more uh, what I call creativity in the run game as far as some pulling blocks, uh, some misdirection-type stuff with the zone blocking. It leads to a lot of cutback lanes, and so that has certainly helped the production.
0: Well, and, and Chad Donson, a guy, you know, last year's mm-hmm. a lot of big plays. I mean, he's and he's not putting up crazy numbers like a Zabrowski, like a Gleason. I mean, he has beaten both of those guys, <laughs> by the way. But um, the thing that I've seen from him this year is his completion percentage is way up. He was in the, I think, mid to upper 50s last year's op- up over 68 percent this season. What what have you seen from him from last year to this year?
1: You mentioned the big plays pitt state graduated a really good receiver last year in bryce murphy that could stretch the field colby katzis was the miaa freshman of the year uh, colby's been a little bit dinged up this year but from upstairs in the press box and then never mind uh devon garrison in the slot uh, Devin garrison in the slot uh, a 6-6 hybrid tight end receiver that's a matchup nightmare but you can see upstairs the double-team bracket coverage that teams are playing on Pitt State to not get beat over the top by Colby Katsas. And so the Gorillas have had to use a short, controlled passing game more as an extension of the running game to loosen up some defenses. Chad Dodson was sick with himself after a couple of turnovers uh, in a win over Nebraska Kearney, and he's not turned the ball over since. And then Ty Pennington, the backup redshirt freshman, this kid is a really electric player. He has tremendous dual threat ability. You would say that Chad is more of a distributor and game manager. Ty is more of a playmaker with his legs. And so they'll run by design with him a little bit more. But between the two of them, they're doing a great job of protecting the football. Pennington's legs are also lending to that balanced offense we talked about. Uh, but Chad Dodson is a he's just such a perfect system guy. He takes what is given him. And he has a complete and total grasp of the offense. He's one of the first guys Brian Wright contacted when he accepted the job at Pittsburgh State. Coach Wright was the offensive coordinator at Toledo. He had seen Chad at a quarterback's camp down in Florida. Chad is from Jacksonville. And Brian Wright said from day one, we will recruit nationally for quarterbacks. And as an offensive guy, he calls his own place. He's a quarterback's coach. He's been to every Nike elite 11 on 11, whatever passing camp you can think of. And Brian Wright knows people all over the country when it comes to quarterbacks. But between Chad only being a junior and Ty Pennington, a redshirt freshman, quarterback position at Pittsburgh State is in really good hands
0: well and defensively you know that's where I see a lot of similarities between these two teams with you know just how good they are defensively and, and Pitt is is still right there number 2 in in scoring and in yardage in the MIAA uh 12 interceptions and and number 2 uh rush defense these are the only two defenses allowing teams less than 100 yards uh, per game rushing. But the thing that kind of jumps out to me, I guess, is only six sacks. Is, is that right? This, this is a team that had over 30 last year. What is Is that a concern for this team?
1: Uh, maybe a little bit. But I mean, the reality of it is this day and age, I mean, let's be honest, everybody's in the pistol. The ball gets snapped. It's out within two seconds. It's hard to get home. But guys like Dubin McConquo on the edge. Uh, double team blocks just constantly getting chipped by a tight end before he can start his pass rush and so uh, teams are defending that and so yes ideally pitt state would like to be getting more pressure on the passer than they have but at the same time they're still very good against the run and then the coverage has been outstanding i look at missouri southern last week we had three corners combined for eight pass breakups there were three takeaways in that game so the turnover margin and the pass coverage uh, have been really good and that uh, you know it has to be if you're not getting home it gives the quarterback more time to look at the field and so your coverage has to be good Pitt state also they have not taken themselves out of position by bringing a lot of extra rushers uh, this has been a more passive approach to defense as far as Let's not blitz number six. Let's rush four, maybe five. Let's l- make sure we always have at least one linebacker in coverage, uh, and that helps cover uh, the extended time that the quarterbacks have. And so there's been a chess match there with Pitt State. Uh, to answer your question, yeah, they'd like to be getting home to the quarterback more, but they're also doing a good job of bend but don't break, and uh, the takeaways uh, have been huge in negating some yards allowed.
0: Well, and I mean, is this team, you know, it seems like, you know, obviously defensively the ability to run the ball a little bit more is is, the, is you know in in teams like Pitt State like a Northwest typically you know it, it's it's not just looking to okay yeah we want to win the MIAA but it's it's about competing in December And, you know, you look at the region, you look at teams like like Ferris State, obviously two time defending national champion Grand Valley State was number one for for part of last year and and just beat Ferris this last weekend. I mean, is that what this team is has been building toward with a more balanced approach with really being dominated defensively is is getting those wins and ultimately competing for a national championship?
1: No question. Last year was great to get back to the national playoffs. I I, I never thought I'd see the day Pitt State went nine years without being in the playoffs, but last year we were in the postseason for the first time since 2014, won a game for the first time in nine years, and to go to Ferris State, which Pitt State really felt they got slided in the regional seating last year, being undefeated out of the MIAA, had to travel to Ferris State, who had a loss, they had a bye, and they had a win over an NAI. That was two less Division two wins and Pitt state had had to go up there and Ferris state was good. Obviously they went on to win the whole thing again, but to get beat by three points on the road against the national champions, that leaves a taste of unfinished business. And so this is not a Pitt state team. That's talked a lot about that, but make no mistake about it. It's in the back of their minds. As far as that last year was nice. We want a conference title. That's a goal of every team. we made the playoffs. That's a goal of every team. Now we want to take it a step further. Your goal is not to get to the second round of the playoffs. It's to win as many as you can. And so this team definitely has a, a chip on their shoulder after coming up uh, just short last year against the eventual national champions.
0: Well, this team talking a little bit about this season as a whole. I mean, this team is, is definitely had some slow starts um, to, to games. They seem to kind of come on in in the second half and, and, and pull away and, is, is uh, do you think this team has played their best football? Have they played a complete game this season?
1: No, they have not. They really have not. And that's obviously a pretty good observation when you, when you see Pitt State play. The first about four weeks of the season, uh, it was first-half struggles. And they were outscored by their opponents in the first half of the first four games and then just dominated the third quarter and second half for the most part. Uh, they've kind of gotten that rectified because between the game at Northeastern State and Emporia State, those two games outscored 41 to 3 in the first half, and then up 14 to 7 at Southern. Uh, and then you'll just see dominant stretches. You know, week, whatever it was, week two, I guess, at Fort Hayes State. Pitt State goes out there and in the second half, after trailing at halftime, holds Hayes to 35 total yards and one first down in the second half. Last week at Missouri Southern, 14 7 at half. The Lions scored right before the break. They're getting the ball out of the locker room, four possessions in the third quarter. Southern had one first down. They punted three times and turned it over on downs once and Pitt State dominated there. And then you have a breakdown in the fourth quarter and Southern kind of gets back in the game a little bit. And so... Yeah, it's been a Pitt State team that's been good enough to get through it. Uh, but at the same time, I, I know they all feel, coaches and players feel, they still have not played their best football as far as putting a complete game together. Uh, they've been a little more penalized than they were last year when Brian Wright's teams have traditionally been near the top of the league in fewest penalty yards. Uh, they've been a little more penalized this year, but still uh, they, they have cleaned up some of the red zone scoring issues, getting more touchdowns than field goals. And that's obviously going to be at a premium on Saturday. So uh, some of those statistical areas that they're starting to take strides in towards being a more complete team, that needs to uh, continue to rise if this team is going to reach their full potential.
0: Well, looking at this game, I mean, I don't think – You know, with the way that Pitt State is, I don't think there's there's going to be any overlooking Northwest and and you know teams that have seen it. I don't think that's it's a talent issue of this Bearcat team. Had a lot of injuries and some other things that just kind of have went against you. But looking at this game, I mean, I I kind of see maybe a defensive slugfest. I don't know, maybe an old old school type of matchup. I mean, as you look at this game, what do you see and what do you see as the keys for victory for the Gorillas?
1: Well, I think uh, number one, you can't beat yourself, and and this is a game where even a five-yard false start, and you play behind the chains against these two defenses, you are asking for trouble. And so, uh, good teams don't beat themselves. And you know, there's an old saying that sometimes more games are lost than won. It's not about making highlight real plays; it's about being very sound in the most fundamental areas and not beating yourself. And then when the other team blinks. You take advantage and so uh in, in these types of games the usual x factors almost always come into play turnover margin field position these two defenses are too good to be constantly having to go 80 plus yards so who can win field position and maybe give your offense a little more manageable situation uh but i absolutely anticipate a, a rock'em sock'em game where you know you you look at 2421 last year 2422 that kind of game absolutely in play again that's just that's just how these two teams are built and so you know which offense can convert those key third downs to get into scoring position or which defense can really bow up and maybe make a team settle for a field goal as opposed to giving the seven points so those things will all come into it but there's there's no question that it's going to be another i think classic just like the last two years we've had
0: Perfect. Well, Eddie, man, as always, I appreciate you and, and uh, wish you a good call. And it looks like we've got a, uh, shaping up to be a nice weekend in, uh, in Maryville.
1: Hey, thanks for having me again. Always great to talk about Pitt State and Northwest. So much respect for that program going back to Coach Churchman's days in the 90s. And it's a game that Pitt State looks forward to playing because if you win it, you know you will have beaten a really good team.
4: Bearcat Nation, this is Jake Soy. Hope you're looking forward to hearing this Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. It's going to be a great one.
0: And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Pleased to be joined by sports editor for the Maryville Forum and podcast regular John Dykstra. John, man, thanks so much for taking time and, and coming on. It's, it's always a lot more entertaining, a lot more fun, happier chat for us when we're coming off a Bearcat win.
5: That's. I was just going to say that. feels like I've been on for, for a couple losses, and, yeah, it's, it's nice to have a nice rivalry win to talk about.
0: Well, and I mean, you know, you look at the MIAA schedule. Last week, we were kind of chatting a little bit here before we started. Is, is I mean, really, it's is, you know, Northwest wins kind of the biggest win of of uh, you know the week last week, and it's you know, we seems like we haven't had uh, many of those weeks. And you know, I know going into this game, you know, it was it was uh, um, you know a lot of people up, you know, saying maybe this, you know, this is Mo West year, this is Mo West team. I know Trayvon Alexander and others when we were talking to him after the game, kind of talked about that. About what they heard, and the Bearcats didn't make it easy on themselves, but uh, but ultimately, hey, they just you just had to get a hard fought win, and that's what they did.
5: Well, you know, it was a good week because both you and I were six and zero in the pick'em. So. Yes, exactly. You know, Northwest, had, Northwest had a good week, and everything else kind of held the form. If we both went six and zero, considering the years we both had in that thing, so no, it was. It was a good one for, for Northwest to come out and, and kind of look like Northwest, even though it was maybe a little closer with the score than the, the game really felt.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, the first half, I mean, Moe's gets on the board first and, and the Bearcat, Bearcats answer and, and, uh, you know, they trailed a couple of different times in the first half, but boy, I think that was maybe, I, I don't know. I haven't seen any other stats, but, but Mikey Hohensi's stats for the first half, 13 to 16, 237 and three touchdowns. I think that was, it was definitely his best half of this season. Um, and it's one of the best halves of football. I think he's ever played at Northwest.
5: Yeah, he was super, super sharp. You could tell he was a little bit more willing to go outside the pocket and do some different things. That um, looked a little like the old Mikey Hohensey uh, compared to compared to kind of being beat up and having to tough through the, the knee injury. So if, if that's how he's looking, that's going to be a good sign moving forward for Northwest and what the offense can become uh, because Rich pointed out after the game uh, – when when they've had everybody, the offense has been really good. So it's it's when they start to lose people that it it struggles a little bit. But um, yeah, that offense was looked as sharp as it's looked all year in that game.
0: Well, I mean, so you know, got the screen game going with Tank with Tank Young. He had over a hundred yards and in uh, the touchdown and and uh, you know the the great. Great throw and catch. I just noticed the catch by Trayvon Alexander. Some great camera work, and I, I shared that on social media after the game, from uh, from KQ2 of of Mikey just getting hit pretty good, letting that ball go, and that was that was a great play. And even the play with with him and KG, where you know the play kind of breaks down, he waves him deep, and he drops in a perfect pass. I mean, there was it was it was kind of you you had to figure Missouri Western was going to play Jay Harris and the Bearcats. Had, schemed it up and everything pretty well seemed like they were you know ready and primed and the the play action all of that stuff was looking good and um you know overall other than that mo west touchdown drive even defensively i mean you know the score was 24 to 10 but i think like you said the 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 game felt like the the bearcats you know should have maybe led by a couple more scores
5: yeah when you can stop up a, a rushing attack like they did Remember early in the season when when fans were kind of fretting about the defensive line and and all that stuff and not stopping people well, helping <laughs> Mo West the negative 17 yards rushing. I think the I think the D line is okay at this point.
0: Yeah, well, right. I mean, listen, I, I thought I said as much last week, like I thought it was a really good matchup for us um, as far as what they wanted to do, you know, what we like to do defensively, but I didn't think we were going to hold them to negative 17 yards rushing. I mean that, you know, you have MIAA defensive player of the week and Jake Fisher, who's, uh, you know, who's had a, had a spectacular season and. You know, really, yeah. I mean, you look at the D line. You know, Drake kinsella has got some more playing time. He he's the lone senior, and uh, you know, and and really, you know, you look all over this defense, and okay, you know, Isaac Volstead unfortunately went off the field injured, and and you know, he's a senior, but man, you, you know, look around at everybody else, and I mean, it's it's uh, other than Gian, Gianni, who's who's a transfer senior, everybody else is is. You know, young guys, and they have. Uh, I think that the improvement from the defense too has has been pretty impressive up up to this point in the season.
5: Yeah, and you you mentioned there, Bob. Really enjoyed. I mean, he's never going to be a guy that really jumps off the stat page with Drake Kinsella but I me, mean, he's a local kid, so I'm a little partial to that too. And and he's just a really good kid, but. Man, he's been he's been solid. He had a big hit on on uh, at one point last week, forcing pressure. Like he was he was doing stuff. So I think I think that D line is really coming together. And Kobe and Jake have been great all year. Even if those first couple games the stats weren't there, they were getting pressures and they were they were doing stuff. So I've been really impressed with kind of how that side of the ball is coming together. And you're right, it's it's young, especially with with Isaac Goff's injuries and having young linebackers stepping in it gets even younger and they're still still playing well so i think that's a that's a really promising thing moving forward
0: well and and um one other thing too about the you know negative 17 yards rushing but the three-headed monster at running back for Mo West was held to four to 4 yards on 14 carries that was yeah. um, that's probably the most impressive because you think okay get some sacks that's going to knock the yardage down but but to hold those guys and uh, you know down that much and, and talk about the defense man they had to make some plays those last two possessions are are basically what sealed the game for the Bearcats they didn't necessarily think they'd have to go out there again on, on the Jay Harris fumble but but uh, Shane Fredrickson steps up gets his first pick of the year and uh, man you know the the defense. Kept kind of getting thrown out there, and they just they just kept responding.
5: Yeah, they uh, yeah they uh, the offense played really well, and there were two really bad plays. Uh, basically, other than that, they kind of moved the ball whenever they wanted to. But that, and it's not even fair really to call the well the Jay Harris fumble a bad play because. I mean, you could say you want him to go down, but he's kind of getting contacted and running through people. It's not its not a Jarek McKinnon situation where you just slide down or, or Patrick Mahomes uh, a week ago, whenever it was, where you just slide down and, and take it. Like, he was running through guys. You can't really do that. And um, so that, that kind of happens. It was extremely unfortunate. And then the pick was... Was just a poor decision by Mikey, and he he owned that after the game. So, but take out those two plays, and it's a lot easier day for the defense, and and you're a lot more comfortable with that game because they really dominated in in every facet except those this couple turnovers.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and everybody makes mistakes, right? Like you, you don't yeah. have the lead you have without Mikey having a great first half. So, oh, okay, he made it was, he made it one was, bad throw. Okay. <laughs> it, was,
5: it was it would be one mistake Mikey made. Yeah. Right. He was he was perfect other than that. Like he was you take that any even with the mistake, you take that. If if you're gonna get that Mikey Ho and see every game, you're gonna it's gonna be hard for anybody to beat this team.
0: Yeah. Well and Jay Harris, right, seven straight hundred yard games. I think that's his first fumble of the season if I'm unless I'm forgetting yeah. one. And so I mean you know, that, that's as many carries and things as he's had. I don't have the stats in front of me, but, uh, you know, to have one fumble at this point is, isn't terrible. You know, as much contact and everything he's getting. And it's probably a teachable learning experience, too, of, OK, next time, you know, you make sure to maybe cover up the ball better. But but again, you you I don't think uh, it
5: really was had it uncovered that uh, maybe you've seen the replay more than well I, he was, I didn't
0: really. so he was fighting off a guy and, and the guy that came in and stripped it kind of came in from behind and he didn't see him he was mm-hmm. kind of shrugging God. off and he probably if the guy doesn't come in and strip the ball he might you know he might still be running i don't know he may have, you know may have he probably would have had a yeah. bigger gain but uh but again you know i'm not somebody that you make one mistake and i'm you know i mean he's he's a heck of a player good.
5: We're talking too much about like the two mistakes. in the yeah, game. we, abso- we
0: absolutely it, are. It was, but it
5: was a tremendous, tremendous offensive game and defensive game from from just what they were able to do and how they were able to to spread the ball around in that one.
0: Well, and you know, you did what you had to do. Ultimately, it does. Who cares what it looks like? You just got to win. And uh, and you know, the Bearcats are. Are fighting through and you know coach talked about it after the game about um you know this team you know these players um you know caring about one another and and having each other's back Trayvon mentioned you know there's there's not there really doesn't seem to be any finger pointing even when mistakes and things are made they they kind of talk their way through it on the sideline and and uh you know ultimately regardless how long the season goes um you know I think we all we're pretty sure it's ending, you know, November 11th against Carney, But, um, you know, is is that, you know, the seniors, the captains, I mean, they're teaching these young guys and, um, you know, and so so all of those basically all of the things you're seeing, I think, are things that you like to see and whatever people that are critical aren't going to stop being critical because you won a couple of games. So, you mm-hmm. know, that kind of is what it is. But I, I'm seeing a lot of promising things out of this football team, they haven't given up, you know, the players, the coaches, they, um, you know, regardless of what other people are saying about the season or whatever, they're, um, they're going out there and boy, got a big, got another big game, uh, big game this weekend, homecoming for sure. Gets yeah.
5: And that's the thing with them not giving up too. And if you, if you want to look at, I'm I'm with you. It's it rarely happens, especially in this region for, for a three loss team, but, I mean, I think uh, I don't know if you're a, a big Game of Thrones guy, but one of the things is chaos is the ladder, and uh, you you have the opportunity this week to create some chaos and and knock off the number two team in the country, and and really kind of have a signature win that nobody else is really going to have. Like if you're if you're going to get yourself in that conversation, man, beating a team like Pitt would be quite a way to to kind of open some eyes at least and, and create a little bit of uh, intrigue with the rest of, with the committee and the rest of the, uh, of the nation there.
0: Well, I was kind of surprised in our pick this week or in our pick your pick that, that so many people were picking the, I think more people picked the Bearcats than picked Pitt state. And uh, they you know, did. I, I think part of that is, you know, I, I don't know when you bet against, you know, when you bet against Northwest and, and uh, and Coach Wright. But uh, I found that interesting because, you know, I, I feel like, you know, still, I you know, even even though the games in Maryville Northwest is playing better, if you put a line on it, I would imagine Pitt State is is at least a slight favorite. It's not like Pitt, though, has been blowing anybody away. I don't know that, you know, they've, you know, put a complete game together. Honestly, they put some really good halves of football together. You could probably say this, you know, maybe the same thing about about the Bearcats, although the teams are you know, in different places in the standings, but um, mm-hmm. you know, i th- I think I think you and I were talking about this. I don't I don't even remember if it was on this podcast or not, but it was kind of after the central game, looking at kind of the the next three games of the the quote unquote gauntlet that Coach Wright said. I mean, you know, this pit g- team is a little bit different. They're more balanced. They want to run the football more, but I think that just kind of plays into the hands of of this defense, as far as you know what do you hang your hat on stopping the run? And you look at central Oklahoma, Missouri Western and, and then now Pitt. I mean, they're all teams that want to run the football and, uh, you know, and I think that's, that's a good thing. Now I think Pitt presents some different issues than those other two teams, probably better at throwing the ball and and big plays and things. But, um, you know, I, I think we, we must be kind of on the same, <laughs> we both picked the Bearcats in this game. So we must both, uh, you know, be kind of along the same lines as, is uh, I think this, this is a, you know, the Bearcats have a great shot <laughs> in this game and this is a good, a decent matchup for them.
5: Uh, yeah, I think nationally and people outside are, are going to look at it like, oh, well, there's a three loss team and, a, and a, uh, and, uh, uh, Undefeated team, like obviously the undefeated team is going to win the game. Well, this seems just different with Mike O and, C, and we can talk about that different ways. That maybe more of an off-season topic. Like you wouldn't, you don't want them to be oh different when they're missing one guy, but it's the fact they are a different team when when Mike Owyndsey, who's a veteran, you expect that a little bit. But um, so yeah, that's why I. I picked them, I think it's a close game, Um, but it's, yeah, it's just hard to tell, especially being in Bearcat Stadium, hopefully a good crowd for for homecoming and Hall of Fame and all of that. So, I I don't know, it's kind of a toss-up. To be fair to, to, like, saying more people pick Northwest than Pitt, We have a pretty significant Bearcat lean in our uh, Pick'em people that are picking. That's (laughs)
0: fair. That's true. uh, That's accurate and fair.
5: So even though Andrews, he picked Northwest. He's a Northwest grad, even though he covers Central now. And and Tommy Rezach, we were talking the other day. I don't think he would mind this, but he he was re-watching the game, wasn't there, and he's like, or re-watching the Western game, and he told me, he's like, how was this a four point game because you're just watching and he had the same reaction we did. Like it probably, it probably shouldn't have been that close. Um, but yeah. So there's a, there's a little Bearcat, uh, Bearcat lean there, but I, I just think it will be a really good game. I think anybody who, who doesn't think that hasn't been watching the Bearcats um, these last couple weeks against UCO and in Western, because they, they look like they've figured it out a little bit, and and that defense. I think the defense has been playing well all year, and playing really well. It's just the offense has put them in some terrible spots, um, and now that I think the offense has kind of found its rhythm. I think that whole team's kind of coming together at this point, and uh, there's a chance for them to really make a big statement. Um, on Saturday and really if if you're not going to the playoffs you don't want your your chief rival to be the one seed and be going into the playoffs so you have a chance to spoil spoil that for Pitt a little bit this week
0: well, and how do you, you know, I'm interested to get, kind of get your thoughts on this Pitt State team, because I mean, if anybody that I talk to and have in, I think you have as as good of an understanding of the MIAA as far as what you do and and how you follow it, how you cover it. I I, tr- I try to kind of pay attention to what's going on, but um, you know, it's it's uh, interesting. I mean, as I, as I look at this Pitt State team, one, you know, I do see a much more balanced team with with the size of their offensive line last year. I know they had Caleb Lewis, but other than him they didn't run the ball with a whole lot of success last year, which kind of made me scratch my head a little bit, but, uh, you know, defensively they're great, but then you look at the stats, they only have six sacks through seven games. That's kind of, that's kind of wild. I mean, they're the number two yardage defense in, uh, and scoring defense in the MIAA behind Hayes. And so, um, you know, those kind of like, okay, well that's, that's interesting, but obviously they're playing well. They're doing what they need to do to win these games. Um, you know how, how? I don't know how do you evaluate this this pit team at this point in the season?
5: Yeah, obviously they're a lot more balanced. They have a lot of guys running the football right now, um, and a lot of options they can go to. they a little bit like Mo West in that that regard for who they have running the ball. Um, and then passing, it's like Dotson. He's a good quarterback. I think we all know that. But they just, he hasn't been asked to do that much. His yardage totals aren't crazy. 11 touchdowns, four interceptions is good. 68% completion percentage is obviously really good. But um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting with him there doing that. And then defensively, yeah, I was looking at that the other day because I did my column last week about kind of, leaders for, uh, like, offensive player of the year in the league and and defensive player of the year. And I was looking, oh, Pitt's probably got a guy I need to include in this defensive thing. And I ended up doing it because of the corner that has – or the safety, that is, that has uh, five interceptions, Mm -hmm. Jordan Rodgers. But other than that, they're – I mean, it's kind of – that front seven's not producing quite like I expected to. And I will say their secondary – is pretty pretty good and salty there with with guys like Rico Pate in that corner. The safeties Lacey and Rogers are really good. Uh, Tate's come in and played well at the other corner spot. Tedrick Tate, um, or has had some flashes at least. So they're they're solid, but it's yeah, it's kind of it's kind of different. I'll be interested to see how they hold up. They're obviously the number two rushing defense in the in the conference behind Northwest. So I'll be interested to see how they hold up against Harris if they do a better job than Western did, because I thought Western did a pretty good job, even they though did. he yeah. still had a hundred yards. They they he was limited, Which certainly not like UCL where he's busting off runs left and right. Um, so I'll be interested to see if they can be the team that holds them under a hundred. I'll be interested to see just how, if he can go crazy and, and go well over a hundred against, against them, because if he can do that, I think Northwest is going to have a very good day. Cause I think Hohancy is finding this groove a little bit and, and, uh, is, is going to be really good. I see these teams as very similar which doesn't seem right with the records, but I think they both kind of want to attack the game in similar ways and win the line of scrimmage. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. That's gone very well for Northwest the last couple of weeks, uh, both with the offensive and defensive lines. So if they can, if they can do that against Pitt state, they're going to win this game. Um, it's just going to be a lot harder to do that against Pitt state than it was Missouri Western. And then it was UCO.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and before anybody takes what I said out of context too, like, I understand Pitt's the number one, two, number two, I mean, team in the country and they're a great team, but you know, I'm I was kind of talking about them in the, in the lens, I guess, of how we talk about the Bearcats or how we're used to talking about the Bearcats when, you know, we don't view them necessarily in the, um, uh, I don't know, in in the the way or the lens of the MIAA, right. it's more of, okay, you know, we got, we're viewing, you know, because their goal is bigger than the MIAA, just as Northwest is every single year. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't trying to run them down or anything like that. Just the sack number really made me scratch my head. And yeah, the Dodson, I think, you know, what he was, you mentioned 68%. I think he was like 56, 57 last year. And it was different. They were much more a big play offense and taking big shots and things last year i think they've they're more maybe more possession based and and things like that this year um and
5: and we haven't mentioned their best player who's devin garrison they're right they're tight,
0: uncoverable who who covers that guy six six (laughs) yeah
5: missing missing isaac volstead in the middle um that that is a guy who's who's been good and rangy there. I I am curious. Krohn and, and Dumas have been playing really well. Olsen's been playing really well when he's come in for for Isaac, but yeah, who how do you match up on him? Do you I I would assume it's a lot of zones over the middle. Um but if he starts to hurt you with that, do you put do you put Charles Gaty because he's a safety that's played corner before? Do you do something like that? I'm um, I'm interested in how does Josh Turner get more runs? Like you've got some options, but he's going to be a huge key, I think, to finding a way to slow him down because he had a good game last year against Northwest.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, or yeah, do you put a big physical? You know, do you put an Austin McKinney who's? Uh, tell you what, the second the second half of this season last three or four games he has played so yeah. much better and and he's growing in he was a, he was a transfer guy came in and so um you know but he he definitely got a lot of stick um you know the first few games and he has been playing really really well you know how how healthy is Khalil Smith he's been uh you know Khalil's been playing a lot more you know I don't know do you put your best corner on that guy Colby Katzis another good receiver for Pitt although he's been yeah, kind of banged up so yeah, what do you do? I don't know. That'll be interesting to see how Coach Wright uh, schemes that up for Saturday.
5: Yeah, Caddus' presence is the only thing that stopped me from mentioning Khalil right away because Khalil's been been good, even with the injury. And a couple weeks ago, we were thinking he might be done for the year, and then he's he's out there playing every week. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's impressive what he's done. So do you want to use him in that role? you got some options. You got some big corners. Um, the biggest is obviously McKenney and, and that feels like maybe the type of guy that you can put on him. And, and because he's got, he's used to playing, he's played some safety before too. So he's Mm -hmm. used to being in the middle of the field. He's not just the boundary guy. So that would be interesting if they decide to go that route. Um, yeah, they've got some, they've got some options.
0: Well, John, man, as always, always appreciate you having, on, having you on, and, and uh, we'll, see, uh, we'll see what happens with a big matchup this weekend.
5: Sounds good. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, welcome back here on Bleeding Green. Time for the Bearcats, according to Eli. Hey, buddy. What's going on?
6: <laughs> Nothing.
0: That was an interesting evil laugh. Is that your... Uh, you working on becoming a... Uh...
6: Super villain, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Hey, we get to talk about a Bearcat win again.
6: <sighs> My West
0: Two weeks in sucks. a row. I mean... Keeping the Griffins down. Oh, yeah, because my West Sox. 27-23 good guys.
6: I know. Yeah, we're the good guys. Oh, yeah, we won.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
6: Oh, yeah, it was a two-score game, but it should have been a three-score game.
0: I know, and then that pick six definitely made things interesting, huh? We were kind of biting our nails there was, at the end. Yeah,
6: that was very... Do you want to know what was even scarier? What? When he drops the ball. The,
0: the fumble? fumble? The fumble mm-hmm. was terrifying. I know, yeah, Jay Harris's fumble after he had the first down... Couple knees after that was uh definitely made things nervy, but the defense that was stepped awesome. up. Man.
6: Just an interception, their second play they got it. Mm-hmm. I think.
0: Yeah. Yep, yep, it was. Shane Fredrickson, big play.
6: <sighs> yep.
0: You got to talk to uh Trayvon Alexander.
6: Yeah, it was and let awesome. him
0: know that you had uh picked him. For my
6: favorite, yeah. Mhm.
0: On offense, he had some. What a
6: catch he had, though!
0: (laughs) Oh, wasn't that a great throw too, by Mikey? Yeah,
6: nice throw. What a He got hit
0: and threw it on a line, and yeah, what a catch that was.
6: That was awesome.
0: And he uh, had some nice, encouraging words for you. Yeah. For our aspiring receiver Eli here.
6: Oh yeah. You know (laughs) what? I completely changed my mind. My number is automatically going to be thirteen.
0: Hopefully, thirteen's available.
6: If it's not, then I'm going to scream. (laughs) And then I'll take seven as my second, because seven's my favorite
0: number. Okay.
6: And if not, two. And if not, 16. Nice. Those are the four numbers I want.
0: Excellent. Well. Backups. Oh, but it was good. Now, on to Pitt State. It's going to be a tough one. Yep. (laughs) You okay?
6: Yeah. Yeah, I think we got good chances, but are we gonna do what we normally do and go through last week's game? Games? up?
0: yeah, we absolutely are. I wasn't ready to pick the game yet. I was just talking about the uh, talking about no! the matchup. No,
6: unacceptable. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry, I got the hiccups.
0: Okay, so you ready? You ready to talk about? And uh, not too much to talk about. We're both six and zero in our picks. <sighs> So that was that was pretty good. It was a good week for both of us. It was a, I feel like a pretty straightforward week. There wasn't this uh, a, is my rising week. Other than the Mo West Northwest game, um, there wasn't a whole lot of games that really could have gone either way. I guess. Um, well, let's just run through Emporia. It ends up being a closer game, Emporia Washburn than than we uh, thought. Thirty eight twenty three. I thought 56 17. I was way off. You thought 36 7. That was, you know, a way larger margin of victory than it was. Emporia, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, bounce back this week. They have Central Missouri this week, so that's a big game. Oh, they're dead. But uh, Hayes beating Nebraska. Kearney, you you had the 14 point margin of victory, Um, it's 31 17. I had uh, 27-20 and you had 21-7, so you had the margin of victory, correct? Yes! Yes! In that one. UCO and Lincoln, it was a close game through the first quarter or so, but UCO wins 59-17, which you would expect them to do against Lincoln. Um, We both had pretty sizable victories in our predictions on that one. Pitt against Missouri Southern, um, it was a little bit, Bigger margin of victory for Pitt early, and then they end up winning 31-21. Um, I had 30-17, to and you had 34-28. So, um, but Pitt just keeps rolling on. They're the lone undefeated team in the MIAA. Central Missouri, Wallops, Northeastern State. They did not – They. I predicted 61 for UCM. They got 63. They didn't quite hit the 76 that you predicted, but 63-24 in that win. And they just keep uh, – Keep on doing their thing, and the Bearcats, of course, twenty-seven, twenty-three victory. And it could have been, I mean, really dominating the game right before that pick-six. You're getting ready to go up three scores. I think if that happens, we, um, you know, kind of put the screws to them. And and uh, you know the the defense. I thought our defense matched up pretty well. They had negative seventeen yards rushing, so I think that tells you how well uh, we matched up defensive line to uh to offensive line but i still think western's a good team uh, that's just a bad matchup for them and uh you you had the closer game that's for sure but hey six and oh where i'm still a couple of games ahead of you 33 and nine on the season you're 31 and 11 so we'll see if we have any different picks this week there's a couple of games that could kind of go either way you agreed. okay over there
6: yes agreed
0: you pay, You want to do this or? Yes, I'm paying one hundred percent attention. Oh, <laughs> <I laughs> you were paying a much smaller percentage I'm attention. Just rubbing
6: my hair on the microphone.
0: Yeah, it's great. This is not an ASMR uh, podcast. Okay.
6: <laughs> I don't think that's a podcast. Ad. <laughs> okay. Maybe there is.
0: <sighs> All right. So you ready for this week's? Uh, oh yeah. Set of games. Don't be looking over here at my list. I
6: won't... Oh yeah. You want to know what? What? I'm down by two games in our little thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's about to be. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try to choose two different games.
0: Well, so do you want me to pick my games first, so you know when you can go different than me?
6: I, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll ask on some. Just don't tell me your scores, maybe. Okay, okay. okay let's start. Tell me the first. Missouri
0: one. Western at Nebraska Kearney.
6: Don't tell me your pick. Because we all already know who's going to win Mo West.
0: Yep, exactly. What yeah, don't go like with Mo a West. Score?
6: The little stinkers with the win. Um, nebraska Kearney has not been playing well this season at mm. all. Mo West could probably, like, 38-17.
0: Okay, I have thirty-one twenty. I think it might be a little closer score. Maybe Mo West has a bit of a hangover game. It's a long road trip so out there, but yeah, I think Western's a two-score winner for sure in this game. Game number two, Fort Hayes State at Washburn. Washburn played Emporia close in the Turnpike Tussle last week, but um, they've won one game, and it's against Lincoln, so...
6: I can either go down, or I can take my risks and go up.
0: I I listen. I don't think this is the game. You can pick whatever you want. I just don't feel like this is the game. I think Carney's got a better chance of beating Mo West than Washburn has of beating Hayes. I listen. I could be wrong, but
6: but Hayes isn't even that good. I just don't think Hayes
0: four and five and two. I think they're five and two.
6: Fine, Hayes. Hayes. You're right.
0: They have the number one scoring defense in the MIAA, by the way.
6: How many pick sixes have they had?
0: Uh, I'm not sure they've had any. Yeah, Hayes is 5-2. I just had to go check. They're, they're on a three-game winning streak, too. They were 2-2. Two and two.
6: Okay, fine. You're right. Four Hayes.
0: Okay, what's your score?
6: Um... Oh, this is hard. Um... Twenty-one, the winning score. To zero, If you say their defense is so good.
0: Okay, Ah Washburn can score. I think twenty-seven, seventeen. I think it will be a little bit of a closer game. You think five and two versus one and six? Maybe it, you know it's a, it's a blowout. I don't necessarily think so, but uh, and it's at Washburn, so there's that. Here's uh, we got two really big games. The first of which, Emporia. At Central Missouri. Um, oh, I really want to
6: pick Emporia. Because I know you chose Central. But
0: Emporia's
6: not bad, but I don't think they can beat Central. so I'm There ought to be go. lots
0: of points scored in this game. I will say that.
6: You're right. But I'm going with Central.
0: Okay. What's your score?
6: Like you said, it'll probably be an offensive battle. So, probably looking at like
0: a 42-36. Oh, my gosh. You want to know what my score is? 42-35 Central. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to pick that. Yeah, What? Uh, the what's the chances of that? He's, he did not see mine, by the way.
6: I can't. I'm staring at the... Bobby Bearcat, and I'm switching We're on
0: opposite sides of the table, it's and there's not... stuff in between us. So
6: I'm looking at uh, some wipes that I won't... Don't say the brand, Dad. We're not sponsored. We're not sponsoring mm. it.
0: They're not Clorox wipes, but you yeah. said wipes. People are going to get the wrong idea.
6: Yeah, it's not Clorox, guys. I swear. I wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> I'm staring at the beautiful Bearcat hats in that Bearcat water bottle. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Missouri Southern at Lincoln.
6: Okay. Come on my boys, Lincoln. Woo, go Lincoln. I'm joking. Missouri Southern will win. Missouri Southern's pretty good. They've been doing good this season.
0: Yeah, they've kind of fallen off. They've lost 3 in a row, but they've been they kind of hung with Pitt. I mean, Pitt didn't exactly blow them out. They've had some tougher uh, tougher losses, but what a great start to the season they had.
6: score really, really high. But they'll score pretty high.
0: I mean, it is Lincoln, so. I
6: know, obviously. Who doesn't score high on Lincoln? All right,
0: what do you think? What's your score?
6: Fifty-six to twenty-one.
0: I went forty-nine, ten. I was gonna say I, I thought, you know, you thought. that's not nothing. But you said not very. They're not gonna score very much, and you said fifty-six. All right, the uh, Governor's Cup. Down in Oklahoma The I don't, Governor's cop. I don't understand why this was not a game On Rivalry Week last week um, <sighs> Central Oklahoma At Northeastern State
6: Oh my gosh Northeastern you suck I hate you
0: <laughs> Man That is uh, you're, a North- you're just upset because they beat Lincoln A couple weeks ago If you're a Northeastern fan Then I hate the team
6: not you anyway Easy. um Easy there, i said Good not grief. them i just said i hate the team i hate them as a team i respect all their coaches and players just them as a team I'm i not hate.
0: not sure that works that way but whatever yes it, i right, said what's... it last
6: time and you didn't question me so you don't listen to me all the time i see how it no, is no i
0: know you said it last time i just let it go this time i'm not letting it go
6: the only thing that's gonna be let go is my fist in your face
0: Easy, pal.
6: Sorry, sorry. I don't. (laughs) I don't mean it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, what was the game again? Oh yeah, Northeastern Oklahoma. (laughs) Okay, Oklahoma. Um, thirty-six. Mm-hmm. Seven. Lincoln is better, so that is really
0: close. I have thirty-five nine. UCO (sighs) over Northeastern. Alright, the reason we're all here, it's homecoming in Maryville I went back and forth on this pick
6: I'm more interested in your pick than what I choose I'm more interested in what you choose than anything And I'm not fully decided I am i have it between two options of who's going to win
0: <laughs> Wow that's the kind of insight you get on Bleeding Green and the Bearcats, according to Eli. That's <laughs> he's narrowed it down to two teams. Wow, two teams
6: out of two. Okay.
0: Do you want me to say mine?
6: Yeah, I think you're gonna go with Northwest because you always do.
0: That's true. At the beginning of the season, this is the, this is this was the game. The reason why I picked the Bearcats first in my MIAA preseason poll. Which, hey, I mean that doesn't look great now, but I wasn't the only person. And there's a lot of things. I don't think it's a again a talent issue. There's been injuries. A lot of things have have went wrong. So, but I think I told you last week on the car ride home that I was pretty sure I was going to pick Pitt State.
6: But now you changed.
0: And I did. I'm I'm picking the Bearcats twenty-one to twenty. I shouldn't have given you the score, huh? But that's okay. I know we all know you're going to pick the Bearcats, so. Um you can you can make it
6: if this yeah i know you said about central if i was going to pick against the back that would be the time but i don't really know i feel like if i was going to pick against them it'd be this game because this team has a really i don't know if harris jay harris will be able to run for his hundred yards this game just kidding of course he will i don't care how good their defense is he'll just wreck them over anyway um Okay, okay. Well, I don't want to ruin it F- like three, two years straight. I don't know. I've been doing this job for too long. I don't even know. <laughs> I've chosen the bear cast, so I'm going to keep it like that.
0: Okay, what's your score then?
6: <sighs> okay, okay.
0: The wheels are turning.
6: 27. Thirty-one. Awesome field goal. What?
0: Why do you pick the lower score first? You three years in and you still do this to me, and it still drives me just as crazy as it did the first time you did it. Uh,
6: I'm a natural. I'm. I have as you... much experience as you do in this, in this podcast, not in radio.
0: That's fair. Actually, you don't. I did some episodes without you before the season started. Oh, so. yeah?
6: Well, I've been doing this job for 27 years.
0: So, we went with all the same picks again this week, so there will be no separation. I guess I should have let you pick Washburn, but... I didn't. I was just trying to help you out. All right, Mr. Eli. What else you want to talk about before well, we wrap it up?
6: Yeah, before we wrap it up, let's... Um... I'll let you choose. What what are we gonna talk about before we wrap it up? This is too short. I don't care if it was. I mean, f- we're ten
0: minutes. We're uh, up on seventeen minutes, so we're usually somewhere in the twenty-minute neighborhood.
6: Well, like, what if? Wait! Oh crap! It's a home game. Nobody's.
0: Well, your brother has a band competition that morning, so. Not oh, sure so how much tailgating we'll get to do We'll have to get up and leave early But we had the same thing They did the same thing last year on homecoming What
6: time do I have to wake up?
0: I have no idea Okay We'll decide that Friday night But uh
6: Excuse me
0: Yes, excuse you
6: Anyway Um I don't know. Before we go, do you just want to talk about the game in more detail? I guess.
0: Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I think a lower scoring game probably benefits the Bearcats. I think this is a a decent matchup, and you look at it this way. You know, I think this 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 game is probably the difference between eight and three and seven and four on the season. You lose this game. You're not going to lose any of the last three games. Washburn, Northeastern, carney It's probably, you know, you're probably double digit. Those are probably all double digit wins. We'll see. Maybe Kearney plays us a little tougher on senior day. I doubt it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it has been interesting to see what this coaching staff has done. We've had not, none, none of these coaches have really played this role before where, um, you know we're pretty much out of the playoffs. I mean, I don't, I don't know that the team truly thinks that, but I mean, we, we are. So, um, but it'll be, inter- it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, worst case, seven and four to me, that's not a disaster. But uh, boy, what a big win this would be to ruin Pitt's undefeated season. Oh yeah,
6: oh yeah, oh yeah, you suck. I mean, you're okay, Pitt. I have no opinion on you.
0: You haven't been around long enough, but this is this is a this is a rivalry that's definitely based out of respect. You have Mo West, just hate each other. Central, kind of the same thing. Just don't just kind of hate each other. With Lambeau, I think that maybe gets softened a little bit, but yeah, still still don't like Central. Um Pit is is different. Cause you've got kind of two blue bloods and it's it's similar to our kind of pseudo rivalry. So with their Grand team Valley won't State. try
6: to punch us.
0: I'm more talking from a fans perspective. Ah. I don't I don't know about the teams. Ah, you
6: don't know about the players. Well Yeah.
0: Okay. I mean Pitts on a they won they were eleven and 0 in the regular season last year. They haven't lost yet. So I mean they play mm. us. Mo West, I don't know, Mo West always plays Pitt tough, so it's probably the the two teams that could give them the hardest time. The possibility have they of... gone
6: against Mo West yet?
0: No, that's what I'm saying. They they go against they've so they yet to play teams. us, and they've yet to play Mo West.
6: So we got we're like the two last hard teams.
0: Yep, they've already kind of played. You know, they've played Central, played Emporia,
6: all the big games. Now mm. we're just like the little guys. Just kidding. We're not little, but Mo West is okay sorry okay okay uh let's wrap it up
0: okay what do you got to say then wind us wind us down mr Eli um
6: what I have to say is um huh Well, I was going to say something, but I forgot, which is just kind of normal. So that's what you guys should expect when I have something to say. Anyway, uh, the Bearcats aren't red. They're not purple. They're not yellow. They're green. Come on, end it.
0: (laughs) Well, hey... I got to get one over on him sometime. I'm on the losing end every single week on these. And so I uh, had to do a little something. Had to get him. He just he just stood and stared at me for a minute. And he was just sure that I had hit had uh, <laughs> stop. So there we go. Mark one down for old dad. It's always a great time, though. Always a good one on the Bearcats, according to Eli. Exciting. Exciting. Hey, right now, as as of recording time, sunny and 70 is what we're looking at for homecoming on Saturday. Should be really exciting. Got a band competition for uh, Max, my oldest, uh, that morning. So we got to go to that. It's kind of in the opposite direction. And then we'll uh, head up to Maryville, hopefully get to do a little tailgating, some fun, uh, some fun things uh, going on. Lots of people coming back this week for uh, for homecoming and uh, not just your Matt Longacres, Dave Tallifson's and and players from that 20, uh, 2013 team but some of the players from last year and uh, and uh, some parents and other folks homecoming is always fun. Listen, I I uh, have come to appreciate homecoming a lot more and getting to uh, getting to see people and so it ought to ought to be a great time and and uh, and we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully as a good crowd as uh, as I looked here there's still a lot of tickets available. So we'll see what happens crowd wise, but uh, you know Northwest Pitt State—it's a good matchup. I'm telling you. I mean, you know, the Bearcats could very well lose this game. Certainly, there's no guarantees. Um, you know, if you're picking a favorite, I'm sure it's Pitt, but a pretty close game ought to be a ought to be a really good game. And and I'm 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 feeling it. I'm uh, I'm hoping uh, and and believing I think the Bearcats can can do this thing. Things have to go right. You have to clean things up a little bit, not as many mistakes, but, uh, I'm excited about this game excited to see, see lots of folks. So if you see Eli and myself, make sure to say hi to us and, uh, and, and it ought to be a, ought to be a good time. Give Eli a hard time and everybody gives me a hard time, but that's, that's kind of a given, but a couple of things before I go, this thing has went on long enough. I need to, (laughs) need to end this. This is a long episode. But, uh, you know, we get back to back weeks of Mo West and Pitt, the, the weeks I probably look forward to doing the podcast, honestly, the most because there's usually a little bit extra. I try to really bring it. This week has been a crazy week. We are. It is much later um, in the evening as I'm recording this, as is usual, uh, usually when I put this thing on Wednesday nights to get it good to go for first thing uh, Thursday morning for you to be able to listen to it. A uh, couple of things I wanted to mention. One is uh, the first T-shirt order has been placed. Yes, we have podcast T-shirts. They are $20, a few dollars of that going to uh, going to this podcast. And so appreciate that. Everybody that has paid, your T-shirt has been ordered. We will see, and, and I have followed up with everybody individually. So we're starting kind of a second batch. And so if you would like to order a T-shirt, like I said, they're $20. You can go check out uh, – Bleeding Green Podcast Facebook group or underscore bleeding underscore green on Twitter to see a picture of what exactly they look like. And you can get yours ordered. Just send me a private message either on Twitter, uh, through Facebook Messenger. You can email bleedinggreen.bearcats with an S bleedinggreen.bearcats at gmail.com if you want to do it that way. Um and and I I will confirm and pay via Venmo all of that good stuff. I have to pay when the t-shirts have been ordered, so you have to pay me when when we order it. So uh so anyway, first batch and, and I'm excited about that. And so if you uh, want t-shirts, that's what you need to do. That's it's and it's definitely a way to support the podcast not not just by being a, a walking billboard for me, <laughs> but also um, you know, also, uh, you, you, know, like I said, a few dollars of that supports this podcast. If you would like to make a donation, um, th- there have been several and I am very grateful. Thank you so much. If you have, you can do that. The Venmo is at bleeding green podcast, all one word, no spaces, anything like that on Venmo. And it's, it's the logo. The picture is, uh, is the logo. So that's how, you know, you have the right one. And, uh, so appreciate that. There's also other ways to support it just by spreading the word, sharing the podcast and telling you what I'm was so excited to get Dave and Matt on this week. Um, besides I'm always excited. Uh, let's be honest. I just am, <laughs> I say that, but I am, I'm always excited when I get to put, put one of these podcasts together, that has been something that kind of came down to the wire of putting it together. So, uh, uh, a big assist goes to Dave on that for helping me pull that off. Uh, but, uh, been working on it for a while. I've had the idea. It just wasn't happening, wasn't happening. And, and, uh, we just, you know, stayed the course and and hung in there. And so definitely appreciate those guys. And, uh, and it's exciting. are going to get to see them, see so many other, um, you know, former players and, and things on Saturday ought to, ought to be a great time. So. Um, anyway, spread the word even if somebody you know doesn't necessarily follow the current product. That's, that was a great, uh, great chat. I, I would like to do more of that where, there, where it's not just necessarily myself and a guest. If you haven't got a chance to listen, go back and listen to the one with Coach T and Coach Boda and Brandon Meisner and myself that's a pretty good one. That's that's really good. We did that right before the season. That was kind of fun where it was, you know, kind of like those round table discussions. That's kind of fun. And I'll be honest with you, I get to sit back and enjoy it a little bit more when it's like that. Um, you know, I I continue to, you know, do what I do, but that is, uh, that that's pretty fun for me. So we'll see. We'll see what happens this off season. That is a little trickier to pull off, especially when uh, there's no video involved when you when you can't see each other might talk over each other a little bit we were able to do pretty well with that today but uh, just something um, that uh, we'll see what happens this coming off season so excited about all that but anyway the whole point of that is spread the word Share share the good word of Bleeding Green with other Bearcat fans that you know. Homecoming is a great time, right? More people pay attention this week than probably any other week. Just because it's homecoming, you get folks to the game. That that may be the only game uh, that they get to see. And especially since it is homecoming, it's uh, it's it's a good time. I get to see sometimes friends every year that live across the country now, and they always come back for homecoming, and so and so that's good stuff. But that that definitely helps. So mention the Facebook group, go like that, follow on Twitter, BleedingGreenPodcast.com is the website. That's a great way, especially if somebody's not a big app person. You would think that's just about everybody, but, but there are folks, um, that would rather, uh, you know, rather get on the laptop on the old desktop computer and, uh, and get on that way. You could could definitely check out the website and hopefully I hope to in time be able to have some more features and, and things like that on there, but that's going to do it. I got to wrap things up here. That's going to do it for another edition of Bleeding Green Bears, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing in this with me. I truly appreciate it. Don't forget, be kind, because kindness makes a difference. And as always, Go Bearcats! <laughs>